recording is starting. Okay. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Psych Ward Podcast. Today, I am joined by my friend, Abby Johnson, and without further ado, I'm just going to let her introduce herself. Abby, talk to the people. Hey, um, my name's Abby. I am a mom to a two-year-old father. Um, I'm going to school to get my LPC to be a therapist in the future, um, and I'm really into astrology and trauma and parenting and stuff like that. Okay, so the first thing that we'll probably start off with today, guys, is talking about astrology because most people, when they hear astrology, they think it's probably just some like suburban mom crystal type thing. <laughs> but I'll definitely at least say that in the world we kind of live in now, because the the gov we talked about it earlier, but the government literally like confirmed aliens, so. <laughs> There's not a lot outside the realm of discussion anymore. Yeah. But I'll at least say for me, when it comes to astrology, that I didn't necessarily believe it. And then I started to get more open-minded and spiritual with not only my research, but my life in general. And we kind of, not we, but I kind of ended up not only seeing a lot of reoccurring themes but a lot of like truth that's outside the what people would say is just a generic phrasing for us ast astrology. So, I guess uh, Ali, Abby, how did you get into astrology? Astrology. So, um, I've I've pretty much um, kind of always been into astrology, at least like the basic level, like sun sign astrology. I've always thought it was very just interesting. Mm -hmm. Um. And, and I've always been gravitated to, to understand myself um, on deeper Definitely. levels. So one thing, um, one thing about astrology is it's, it's seen as like this taboo thing nowadays. Um, and for me, it's just a way, it's a lens that I view people through. It's just a lens that I sort of like study people through and observe people through. So it's not it's it's all subjective. The way yeah. that someone sees a sign can be completely different from the way that anyone else sees a sign. I mean, everyone's perspective is different, and that's no different for astrology. But it's very common that people will agree and relate to their perspectives when it comes to like certain signs so even though it is a very subjective and personal um like perspective like for each individual it's also like very similar at the same time so um so yeah it's mm -hmm. really just like a lens kind of like personality types like myers-briggs and enogram and stuff i think mm -hmm. um it's very much so just like a way to sort of categorize people like there's always been like the writer the doctor the mother or like the hunter like there's always been types of people and I think that the reason for that is that we're born at certain times and if the moon moves 70 something percent of the entire planet if the moon moves the tides why doesn't it move and affect the 61% of our bodies that is made up of water as well. Um, so I, I think that um, the sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, I think it, it all affects us 
Um, it's all connected and tied together. It's actually funny, like, you make the uh, the statement about our bodies being water and if it affects the ocean, it affects us. Because I will admit that I used to think to myself that, oh, what? Oh yeah, it affects it affects the water. I was like, but that that's an entire planet. But a friend of mine actually, we were talking about it not long ago, but he brought it up, and he even said that he was like, wolves don't like we we don't necessarily like we can break it down into science any way we want, but wolves don't howl at the moon for any reason. Yeah, he was like, he's like, there's something going on, and we know wolves are incredibly smart. Like they have their own little social cliques. They actually mourn each other. They can communicate with each other incredibly effectively, and they, for some reason, know how actually like there are animals that know the natural cycles of the planet. Mm-hmm. that we didn't discover until like the 1900s and up right. but they were always moving around with it so there there is truth to what you're saying about us being influenced by i'm gonna say the celestial bodies because that's what stars moon yeah. sun that's what they are and and i think you know have you ever seen avatar of course yeah well that that's the highest be... that's the highest grossing box office movie ever <laughs> really i didn't know that that's awesome yeah, yeah. yeah it's the best it... movie uh that movie is about earth i mean whether you know i mean whether aliens came here and like you know put their dna with our dna i mean that's that's the whole thing but like regardless of that if that didn't happen i mean we still have forgotten the essence of who we are and the biological nature of us and yeah. and how we like live with the planet like we're supposed to be integrated um with the planet that we live on and so i think you know just being so far from remembering the truth and remembering who we are and what we are and we live in these little artificial wooden in metal boxes like disconnected yes completely and and it's it's no wonder that you know everyone is is having all these like diseases like dis-ease because we're we're so disconnected from who we truly are and bringing it back to astrology i think um you know um like patriarchy and like colonizers and everything like back when all that was um, happening in like the mm-hmm. um, the Catholic Church and just all of the people in power who were trying to control people, trying to figure out how to control people. You know, they told everyone voodoo and black magic and mad yep. all that is evil, and astrology was mixed into that. So the reason it's so taboo is because the people in power made everyone think that healing and astrology and magic and all that that's not real don't teach your children that that's evil shit like when really it's the most like real you know at least astrology and like healing and recce and 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 all that it's it's real um and and so many people are disconnected from it and are get defensive about it and say it's not real because it's so ingrained in them that it's not See, it's actually this this leads back to another conversation I have with one of my friends. He's actually been on the podcast before everybody, and that's Christian, Christian Rush. But he made the statement to me because me and him were talking, cause I struggle with depression. He's struggled with depression on and off as well. And we were talking about it. And he told me, he said that, dude, we were not meant for the shit that we do now, no matter how much we try and tell ourselves. 
He was like, in the simplest sense, we were literally meant to go out, hunt our fucking food, and come home and lay down on earth mm-hmm. and gaze up at the stars and fall asleep. Yeah. In the simplest sense. And I know, I, I know that a lot of people think about that in retrospect to the world that we live in now, but exactly what you said about how it, there's just a disconnect. Because just like when they demonized, they demonized magic, they demonized voodoo, they demonized pagan culture in general. Mm-hmm. There, I try and tell people that there are so many things that they don't understand were not the same, like, like Christmas. The reason Christmas falls on that day isn't because of what they might tell you historically. It's like, oh, it's Jesus' birthday. Christmas was actually a pagan holiday. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 think it was, I think it was Saturnalia. I think that's the word for it. But it was, it was their day of celebration for that. So what the like powers to be, and I'm guessing the Catholic Church at the time, what they did was they moved that to that holiday specifically to make the integration easier for the people that they were trying to get to follow them. Mm-hmm. And, it's, and it's the same thing with like, it's the same thing with really any indigenous culture, guys. It's, they demonize tattoos. Yeah. They demonize yeah. Like that, that's what they use as an excuse. They came to these people in their foreign land where they practiced things that were not like the European norm. And they basically said that you're savages because you don't live the way that we do. And because they technically, not even technically, sadly, because they had not only the manpower, but also the like advanced machinery and equipment to do that to those people. They rewrote everything. They, everything that we could possibly think of, they rewrote it. Yeah. Awful. But, Sad. Because it's just like on oh. Avatar, they took over <laughs> and they and they fucking fucked us over. Yeah, they they basically were just like, okay, we understand that these people are living. We're gonna send in our that. That's the thing I do like about Avatar. They basically the guy. Uh, what was this? Was it Scully? Was that his name? Uh, I can't remember. I think it was Jake, or I might be thinking of. I think Jake Scully's the guy off of the X Files. But anyway, I'm detracting. But the thing I did like about it was that he basically had lost his legs in what he considered his world. And then he started living as the other people. And he experienced life in an entirely different way. Yeah. He like, especially when they when he like merged. I, I say merged, but it was kind of like they had symbiotic relationships with the other creatures that were around them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even like it wasn't necessarily even dominationist. So they they both were like fulfilling a role that they could do. Yeah. But that's one thing I do want to say about astrology and everything, guys, is that we do have to understand that we might think the the notion of people looking at the stars, people looking at celestial bodies and mapping them out and using them to either, either for science or to predict things. That's not new. The mm-hmm. Mayans, the Aztecs, a lot of ancient cultures had ways of gazing the stars. The Aztecs and the Mayans, for example, they used reflecting pools. They, they, they knew how to make certain death and like they made certain death a death is in like how deep it is but they made certain ponds and they used them as reflecting ponds to gaze and map out the stars i didn't know that i learned that i learned that uh i actually learned that from the joe rogan podcast when he was interviewing i can't remember who he was interviewing but everybody knows who joe rogan is so yeah. you can find it. <laughs> um yeah and and um and like it's crazy how many people <laughs> sad um how many people are so disconnected um from from their like reality um i was 
uh, not their reality, because um, their reality is their reality, but just the reality of, of the fact that we are supposed to be living with the spirit of the earth, like, symbiotically. Um, yeah. And and I, I'll be, like, at the park with my shoes off, like, um, with my feet in the mud, and, like, I'll, I'll be, like, meditating in the sun in this, like, very, like, suburban like neighborhood and everyone <laughs> look at me like I've been saying um but but it's like I'm not the insane one like this is the most basic level of life and you're covering yourself up you're you're covering yourself up from exposing yourself to the truth because you're so in denial people don't want to believe that the people in power aren't for them and and are are lying to them and and so they just go on about their lives and they don't question things it's it's denial really when it comes down to it and um and you know denial on some level you can't help um but um this the sun you that's not a like i have i have friends that like are like i hate the sun i won't go out in the sun and i'm like do you know that you would not be alive without the sun? Like you literally, sun literally need, gives life to everything on the planet, bro. And you I'm sorry. need it, like yeah. And and it's like there's people have like so many diseases and illnesses because they're walking around dead, basically. Like, um, okay, so if you have a house plant, you put it in the corner of a room where it gets no sunlight, no water, only coke. You know, like um, <laughs> it, it's not gonna die immediately it's gonna wither but it's gonna live though and that's exactly what everyone is doing um i mean they're not living they're just withering um and and yeah i mean the sun is so important to be in the sun particularly to be like naked in the sun but um you know not everyone has the luxury without being um like arrested but um that makes me think about how like other countries have entire nudist beaches and there yeah. is just that actually makes me think about that. Yeah. But I mean those parts of our body like need sun. Like I, I mean like ima- like some people go their whole lives and like their like genitals like never get sunlight. They're just like dormant, like stuck like in like, a dark <laughs> place. Like it ne- they need sunlight. Like um yeah, it's crazy. And um, I will say on the point that you're making about like the need of sunlight is there are actual studies that confirm like the reason there is like upticks of depression is because mm-hmm. people live like you said. Yeah. Like we live in these little concrete homes. And then when you even go to work, you're sitting inside of an artificial cubicle. Mm-hmm. You're sitting there under fake fluorescent light. Mm-hmm. And then you're wondering why you're so miserable. Exactly. And that's the thing. Like that's the thing. Like the sun literally get it literally provides a whole vitamin to our bodies, guys. Yeah, even twenty minutes, twenty minutes. That's all. I mean, like even if it's just that. But like so many people don't even get that. They get in their car, but they're on the way home from work, and what do they do? They put sunglasses on. Yep. Crazy. Um, have you ever heard, Wait. have you ever heard of sun gazing? Sun gazing. Mm-hmm. I I feel like. I have, but that almost sounds like staring into blindness. So I'm gonna need you to explain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
Yeah, like, like we like we were saying before, you know, everyone take my word with a grain of salt. Do not yep. do not go do this. Like I'm not this is just something I personally do. I'm not telling anyone to go do this. Um so it's an ancient practice. Um if you look at any picture of Jesus, which when we were just talking about what something earlier, um it made me think of Jesus and religion, and that's that's a topic within itself. Christmas, um, Christmas being his birthday, yeah. or how they reshape the uh, yeah, the holiday. Um, but it's it, I mean pictures of Jesus and and Buddha. You know they were in the sun, and there's pictures of them looking at the sun, like it's like Wait. depictions of them and stuff. So. Not to cut you off, but that does make me instantly just think of something, and that is the story of the Buddha. Because how Buddha worked, guys, is Buddha was literally considered a normal man. And one day, not even a man, a boy, what he did was he went and sat underneath a tree and he meditated. And it didn't matter how many days passed. It didn't matter what the elements outside were. He remained unchanged. And through that, he attained true enlightenment. Mm -hmm. Granted, I think when it comes to stories like that of the Buddha, even if they aren't necessarily, oh, he sat under a tree and meditated and became a god. I don't think of it in that sense. I think of it in a sense is that he he basically became at one with what we might consider the yes. universe or nature, or he just became at peace with himself. Mm-hmm. So one thing, okay, even a few months ago, when I used to hear people talk about, like, everything is God, everyone is God, Things like that. I'd be like, mm, that's kind of, I don't know about that. But we are the universe experiencing itself, a period. Yes. Like a period point blank. And so what is the universe? Well, we don't fucking know. So like source, where everything comes from. Like the, what we can agree on is that everything comes from something. We don't know what it is, but we know that it's something. So we can give that something a something. We can say it's God, it's source, it's spirit. It's what we all feel connected to. Um, it's the yep. fact that we all, regardless of what religion you are, we all feel this pull that there is something more. And something that created all of this. And um, in, in the same way that, you know, we're created by an egg and a sperm coming together. Everything was created by something coming together. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense that, like, people have meditated for long periods of time and remained unchanged and been like, oh, I'm God. <laughs> because they just had mm-hmm. the realization that I am everything everything is coming from my perspective and everything is here and i'm experiencing it so therefore like i am all of this um see that makes me i've always as a child i'm gonna be honest because i was raised in a very christian household mm -hmm. but one thing like even as a kid i didn't necessarily reject the idea of god is that for some reason, I, I looked around and I saw the people that were claiming yeah. that they were blessed by him. They were doing this. And then I still watched them do things that weren't weren't what what you consider godly, like sync to petty emotions and sync right. to specifically like Judgment. holding. 
judgment, holding energies like that aren't positive or even beneficial at all. Right. But as I started to research and just, I guess, live, grow as a person and as a being entirely, I did start to see there are a lot of there are a lot of correlations when it comes to not only religion, but also spirit, spirituality. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it. I mean, it in this sense, and people have probably heard me say this on the podcast before, like. The story of the earth getting flooded, like in Noah's times, that story exists in a lot of other like mythologies. Mm-hmm. It, it exists. It literally exists in Greek mythology. Zeus let loose the four winds and they flooded the earth and they had to reset humanity. Only people on high, high mountaintops and like boats survived. So for some reason, the history keeps lining up with separate religions and everything. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 that leads me to the point that no matter what, guys, no matter what culture, Every single human being, no matter as far back as you want to go, at one point looked up at the sky and went, what made us? No matter how primitive you consider them, no matter how basic you consider their lifestyle, every single human being has looked up and wondered, where did this start? Yeah. And and to people, I mean, because of patriarchy and, and everything, you know, people have just gotten so judgmental. And so it's like, I'm right. But like, yeah. No one is certain. So why can't we all come together and say, hey, that's a cool idea. Yeah, that's a cool theory. Yeah, this is cool because like, See, no one is certain. To say you're, you are certain is absolutely absurd. Like, See, I have very the, strong beliefs about things I believe, but I'm never going to say like I'm completely and totally certain about it. The way that, in my opinion, the way that that works is like, I think that's kind of the gonna go a little like off rails here people but i think that is kind of if you if you if you've heard it you've probably heard it being from the south like me is that people always say man was built in god's image Mm -hmm. so i feel like for some reason that leads people and not 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 just people because i'm not talking about christianity specifically everybody I mean it more in a sense of like, it's almost human nature that when we don't understand something, not only do we have to like put it into words or put it into like just any type of personification of what we can understand. I think that when humans get into these type of situations, like like when you say, why can't we all just agree that, oh, this is a cool theory. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is nice. And that is because what are you going to do when... There are people that go, oh, yeah, you know, we believe that it all comes from the all father and everything. And even if there's people that are just like, oh, you know, I don't think you're wrong, but we, we choose to believe in like the great mother and et cetera, et cetera. What comes down to it is that like that brutish nature that I'm not going to I don't know. We can't really say if it's inherent in humans. I don't know exactly how far back wars date. But for some reason, when it comes to that, people will always try and like implement their control over others. And that's why in religion, you see these things that are like, you can't talk to people that aren't a part of this. You have to follow Mm -hmm. the rules. You can't do this. You can't do that. And that is because deep down, no matter who you are, every human being has a need to believe in something when it comes to our creation. Even even if you're an atheist, bro, because I've considered myself an atheist at one point. But the only- You'll believe that there's nothing. Exactly. You believe- in science, and we can say what we want about science, but even science, if you want to put it in the most rudimentary sense, 
science even says that there's no such thing as spontaneous generation. Something can't come from nothing. Exactly, yeah. So no matter what, guys, no matter how you look at it, something started the spark. Mm -hmm. Something started the spark that is us, that is intelligence, that is just life in general. Yeah. Yeah, and being judgmental and thinking, like, how can like I know a lot of Christians, you know, that are that if if you were to say any of basically what we have been saying, they would oh it's over they with. would feel sorry <laughs> for us, you know. Yeah, there's like oh you're gonna you're, it's okay. I'll pray for you. Right, like how can you open your heart to to try to understand without trying to convince them of of yours? And uh, I wanted to tell this story so. Um, I, I was an atheist um, at one point too, um, and and now I wouldn't like label myself of, of anything. But um, so uh, oh, I watched this TED talk one time, and this guy basically like came up with a religion that was like a possibility, a possibilion, like a, there's mm -hmm. a possibility of this, of this, of this. Ah, well, okay, th okay. That TED talk is cool, just to mention that. But um, the story that I was gonna say, um, I was like. Seven. I had to, I was young um, and I was at church and um, they were telling stories about all these different Santa Clauses and um, they were saying like you know we have our Santa Claus in Mexico it's a woman and she puts candy in their shoes and in Europe this happens and this happens this happens and I, would, I remember sitting there and I remember being like how so, so Santa's not real like <laughs> How are you going to tell me, like, Santa go? our Santa goes around the whole world, goes down your chimney, and, you know, gives you presents. So the fact that all these different Santas exist means that all this shit is a lie. Um, and so I can't, as I grew up, I remembered that, and I put that into perspective with all these different religions. Like, if all these different religions exist, then none of them are correct. <laughs> like they, it's okay. just none of them um, are, are again, again, not to not to cut you off, but on the topic of Santa, like you say, that's how you started to realize Santa wasn't real. Mm -hmm. How I learned Santa wasn't real is that my older brother, rest his soul, because he's deceased now. My older brother told me at like age six, because I said I can't wait for Santa to come tonight. And he just like walked in eating a bowl of cereal and looked at me and was like, Santa Claus got hit by a jet the year you were born. Oh, oh my God. And, and my reaction was like, I, I'm a six year old. I'm like, what? And he was just like, yup, same year you was born. And then just walked out the room eating a bowl of cereal, bro. <laughs> it's awful. You're like, what, am I not getting presents? <laughs> But I'm sorry about that. You can you can continue religion. You were saying like due due to the correlation between All how you like with, yeah yeah. So um so yeah, I I just came to like this this realization that like okay, if all of these different religions are here, then obviously they're all wrong. Um, and I think they're all right. Um, but in in their own way, so. Would you say that, in a way, it feels almost like they're all a part of some puzzle? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, that's honestly, that's the way I think about it, honestly, because there are certain stories that I've seen from Christian mythology or even ancient mythology, and I look at the characters they depict, and I'm sitting here like, wait, so 
all of you had some type of prophetic man that was walking around right. performing miracles. <laughs> something's not something's not right. Either somebody copied somebody or like this yeah. there was a guy actually doing this. Yeah. I think okay, so I think that, you know, all I think all religions represent where we were at a time in our species evolution. And I think Okay, okay. I think that um now we're at this age where you know we have the internet so we can see them all so clearly mm-hmm. and um and, and so now they're it's it's kind of like they're all like they're all different but they're all kind of like combining um so first of all nowadays there's there's i think we're at an age where it's like <laughs> evil judgmental divided um this age of just like divide like so modern christianity exists to control people period i mean all that i will i'll only say i agree with you there just because like anybody that's watching this I, i do need you to understand that christianity was most definitely a religion spread through violence now mm-hmm. i don't want i know a lot of people especially if you are black a lot of people do want to say that oh christianity was the white man's religion now, i do need people to understand that predating america that people in east africa also worshiped what could be seen as the christian god mm-hmm. or their version of it so it does date back but when i say when i'm i'm not I'll let Abby continue to explain after I say this, but when I say like Christianity was a religion spread through violence, I need people to remember that there were like four crusades and what the crusades were is they, they literally went out just as easily as you go out to play baseball. And they said, we have to destroy the non-believers. They went out and they destroyed culture after culture and entire civilizations. Right to enforce their belief and what they wanted onto the world. Mm-hmm. Awful. That's crazy. Um, so, um, just to like preface this, I mean, Jesus, I believe, um, Jesus was real. Definitely. Um, just like, Buddha I most, I agree. And Krishna. And I mean, they're definitely real. Jesus was someone just like Buddha. I mean, they're, they're the exact, yep. and, and Jesus was crucified because he was a free thinker because he could by the government yeah (laughs) by by the roman government exactly um so the fact that people say you know jesus came here to like save us from our sins that is that is just simply like he he realized things that can save people yes from being yep. controlled and, and they can free themselves and they can think for themselves. Perfect. They can live how, how they want to live. They can live with love and light and with the yep. sun of God, like the sun, like be in the sun. So the Essene gospel of peace, it's free on Google. It's a PDF. Um, the Essene gospel of peace were what they found in the, um, red sea scrolls or dead sea scrolls i think it's a red something though i think it's the not well there is a red sea that's biblical and there is a dead sea that's biblical so it's one of them um but yeah but um these were jesus's actual teachings 
and um, it, it's really interesting. It changed my life to read it. Um, but but he taught about the sun and, and fasting and meditation and how you can heal people with your hands once you've healed yourself and how if you believe that there is nothing within you that cannot be healed, then so be it. Like, then there's nothing within you that cannot be healed. And there's nothing that cannot be healed by being with the spirit of the earth and the sun and fasting, which is an interesting conversation um, too. But, but I will say in, in the world of fasting that I, it's ironic Cause anybody, okay, anybody that's heard me talk about it, I've I've talked about my journey through like weight loss and self discovery, and I've also talked about how like during that, I also practiced in- intermittent fasting, and that's that's one thing I will say, is that I'm not sure how to put it in specific words. Is that when I did go through those periods, it did almost it's hmm it's almost as if that there was a part of me that not only trained by the culture that we live in, because we're we're Americans. So for my non-American viewers, the few of you that there are, for some reason, I, I feel that in American culture, we're always pushed to we're pushed to consume. Mm-hmm. We're pushed to keep. We're pushed to just take more and take more and take more and take more and keep doing that. Mm-hmm. But just those moments of not consuming and literally just being taking your power back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I want to tell a story about fasting. Um, okay. but just to preface fasting, don't go fast, you know, unless you're educated in it, don't fast to lose weight. Cause that's a good way to like, you know, yeah. start anorexia. Not, not good. Don't, don't develop an eating disorder. Like, do fasting. Definitely. Smart. Educate yourself. So, um, in the Essene Gospel piece, I think, this this may not be in there, actually. This might just be something I heard. But um, there's this story. And I forgot who it was. This guy in the Bible. Uh, it might be in the Bible. I don't remember. Anyways, so, um, this guy has some, had disciples. And, um... He he had people who were like following him. He was teaching them, and um, and he told them, okay, go out and fast, however many days, for the amount of days that you have been alive in years. So like, if you're 40 years old, fast for 40 days. And so, this guy was um, like 40, and um. He, so they, they all were fasting and he came Mm -hmm. to him on the last day and was like, I cannot do this. Like, I'm so weak. Uh, I'm going to die. Like, I I can't do this. And so the guy, the teacher guy, um, he went and got a bucket of goat milk and he set it out in the sun on the beach and he let it rot. And he took the guy and he told him to, um, breathe in the goat milk take breath after breath after breath into the goat milk and um so to be he, honest that sounds terrible <laughs> yeah <laughs> rotten, rotten goat milk and so um he did and as he was breathing which breath work is also a whole different conversation breath work and we have to come back to sun gazing at some point but um okay 
but so he was breathing in this rotten goat milk and as he was um there was a parasite in his stomach and it crawled all the way up out of his stomach into his throat and into the goat milk uh, because it was so hungry so that can be a metaphor for a lot of things that we hold in our body whether it's emotional pain um physical ailments like if that's the right word like physical problems diseases and stuff um we you know fasting can pull things like that out of us um i think like biologically we're not supposed to eat three meals a day that's definitely capitalism um that is okay just even commenting on that you guys have literally heard me like break down the fact that the 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 entire phrase a well-balanced breakfast kellogg made that literally kellogg cereal company made (laughs) that bro it's literally that that is not true that is literally corporate propaganda that americans will literally say consistently and it's like that that's the crazy thing about like Americans, man. Cause I've seen one of my um Asian friends brought it up to me, is that he he like woke up one morning with his roommates and he just started eating like steak and rice because that's what he had made the night before, and they're like, why are you why are you eating steak at nine a.m., bro? That's not that's weird. And he's just he's standing there and he said he looked at him and told him, I'm literally eating food. Right. That. But sorry about that. Back to what you were saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it, it's crazy how ingrained um, this this made up culture is, um, and, and it's all it's all made for profit. It's not even made. It's it's definitely not made for our well being, and it's not thoughtful. It's not like love is not behind it. Like it's just it's. And then we wonder why we're all so like arrogant and defensive and mean because yep. we're we were raised into this like fakeness. We don't know who we are anymore. Um, sad. It's really sad. Um, I wouldn't even say it's. I wouldn't even say it's sad because, you know, okay, on the on the topic of just like paganism in general. Do you know what Bohemian Grove is? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like yeah. it is it is confirmed that the people that are considered our elite, like every president's been there, just just to let everybody know that. Every president, mm-hmm. just about as far back as we can remember, has visited Bohemian Grove <laughs> and they burn a literal human effigy in front of a giant statue to Moloch the Owl God. But but this is, that's a conspiracy theory though, remember? No, no. <laughs> no, that was there there is footage podcast. for that, bro. That <laughs> I know, podcast, I know. For sure. But that, that that's what I was saying. Like they it's they, they they have like as that as crazy as Alex Jones is everybody, that, that footage is real. Mm. And it, it is proven that they do this yeah. for some for some reason, for whatever reason, that the elite and powerful of our like society still worship an ancient god. Right. And so many like celebrities come out and said like, okay, Justin Bieber, he came out and said that like when he was like fifteen, they took him into a room like backstage, like at one of these like music awards, and everyone had on like a, a like creepy like mask like head thing that you put on like you know oh those oh god and and it like that looked like satan and 
they like had a dead baby like in the middle of all of them and like wanted him to like I don't know like it was it was crazy like I watched this video about it and like he's he said that um that like they they people have tried to get him to like do sexual things with my with like little kids and shit before like he made a music video like where there's a lot of symbolism in it about it and stuff and it's just like yummy yeah yummy like that whole thing where he like went and posted like a bunch of pictures of little kids on his profile and stuff and like his music video came out and there's so much symbolism with like pedophilia and and like the the people in power and stuff and like i'll only say that that is believable simply because of the existence of the fucking you did you know who Jeffrey Epstein was in the mm-hmm. whole scandal? Mm-hmm. And that's like that's one of the most interesting things I do note about that is that with the whole Jeffrey Epstein dilemma, like they proved there was an mm-hmm. entire island that they went and basically either forced people into or practiced like sexual acts, yeah. devious sexual acts on young children. Have you watched that documentary? I have not watched what? that document. I, I'm gonna be 100 percent honest. I, I don't really even want to watch it because yeah, the lady, the lady that was his conspirator, Ghislaine Maxwell, mm-hmm. they said they took her into custody and then she disappeared off the face of the earth. Yeah, there's nothing you can find about it. So, if you uh, that documentary is more than anything you have ever heard about him. Like, if you watch that, it will blow your mind. There's people oh. who like worked for him that talk on that documentary and stuff it's it's insane i have only watched the first episode because the night that i watched it i went to sleep and i tossed and turned and i had really bad nightmares and that never happens to me like ever and so yeah i can't i couldn't watch the rest of it but i mean it was it was insane um just the first episode so yeah it will blow your mind it's it's not okay (laughs) like these things are not conspiracy theories and like the media and all the people in power have successfully gotten people to think that these are just conspiracy theories like it's insane that that people think of um okay before I do want to get back to like the topic of sun gazing because it is getting around the time that we need to switch topics but before that I've said it before and once again, this is facts. I'm not out of everything I say on the podcast, and I tell you to take it with a grain of salt. When I say it's facts, that means I've done my research on it to the best of my ability. And the 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 term conspiracy theory literally got coined by President Nixon when he when he was like discrediting people for saying he did the Watergate scandal. Wow. Every like every everyone needs to know that that like that that term really didn't even exist until a government figure was basically saying, everything you hear about me is a conspiracy theory. It's not real. Even though it exactly was real and he got impeached for it. That's crazy. I didn't know that. But we'll we'll finish up on the topic of, uh, we'll go back to sun gazing. Yes. Okay. So again, yeah, don't do this. Um, <laughs> this is just something I do. Um, so sun gazing we're taught like wear sunglasses wear sunscreen when really you will not get sunburnt no matter how much melanin you have you will not get sunburnt if you are hydrated 
period, point blank. You can Google it. It probably will say the exact opposite, but put it into practice and see what happens. If you eat watery fruits, watery vegetables, and drink a shit ton of water, you will not get sunburned, period. Um, and, like, we're, we're taught, like, cover up, sunglasses, sun, sunscreen, sunglasses, because it makes us unhealthy. <laughs> like, they profit when we're unhealthy, so they make us unhealthy in every single possible way that they can. So, I mean, like, if you think about people that live in Hawaii and stuff, like, they go out in the sun every single day of their life. I know people personally that live in Hawaii that I talk to almost on a daily basis on Instagram that never wear sunscreen and they never get sunburned because they eat right, they drink right, um, and they're always in the sun, so their body's exposed to it. Anyways, so with that sort of background, sun gazing, again, if you Google this, there is some stuff on Google, but, like, the first things will be, like, don't ever look at the sun. So, for the first 30 minutes of every day, when the sun, right when the sun comes up, when the sun rises, for that first 30 minutes, and for the last 30 minutes of the day, you can look at the sun. I, I look at the sun, and, um, like, straight at it. And so, through practicing this, um, if I try to sun gaze too early, like, if I'm, if I'm just outside all day and I look up and, like, I'll, I'll know it's not time yet um, because it, it, it will, like, hurt. Like, it, it's, yeah. like, I went, you know? But <laughs> yeah. then right when it hits that time, that sweet spot, like, you, you won't even, like, it, it will be effortless. You will just look at it. And, and, I mean, okay, so, like, if everything is code, like, if, if, if everything is code, um, the sun, you can download codes for your body through the sun. Like, you can download, like, unlanguageable <laughs> information from the sun. Like, it's spiritual health from the sun um, by looking directly into it. And, um... Yeah, I haven't researched too much. I just kind of do it. I should probably like, like research a, a little bit more into like the the background of it. But I know that um, you know, people people have told us our whole lives. You know, don't look at the sun. Don't look at the sun. It's gonna blind you. You know, and don't look at it like in the middle of the day. But at the right time, if you look at it, it can um, align you. I think, I don't know why, but for some reason, like you said, that makes me think about how you see so many pictures of people uploading pictures of the sunrise and the sunset. And it's like, I will wow. say, when, yeah, like when I look at pictures Damn. of this, when I look at pictures of sunrises and sunset, sunsets, there is almost like this. It's like a tranquil feeling. There's nobody mm -hmm. I know that will look at a setting sun and go, that's just the sun. What you talking about, right. bro? It's not, it's not fantastic. I've never met anyone that does that. Yeah. Unless they're dead inside. It, you right. know how that goes. <laughs> and when when you said that, when you said, like, everybody everybody posts pictures, that it, it, it just made me think of, like, you know, subconsciously everyone is connected to to like even if you don't know what sun gazing is even if you've never done it you know it's like we subconsciously are connected to 
to that part of us that has forgotten um, to, to do these practices. And, and, you know, I mean, it is beautiful. So, I mean, it, it could just be people think it's beautiful, whatever. But I think, you know, it's, it's deeper than that. I mean, we, we post it, it like we all do. You know, if you see like a really beautiful thing, oh you're going to want to take a picture, you know. So it's, that makes me that makes me think is like what's one of the most famous like art paintings ever? I know that's a very vague question. Like, what what's one of the most famous paintings? Dream. I what I was wait say that again. The screen. What's the screen? That's what came to my head. Uh, is that a is that a particular painting? Yeah, it's the, I don't know who it's by. I just know that it's like there's a fence and there's a sunset and there's like a person and he's like screaming with his mouth open. I actually don't. I'm not knowledgeable on the one I was gonna say is um Van Gogh's Starry Night. Mm, yeah, yeah. Because it's not even if you if you compare it to modern day artists and in, in the way we compare art, it's not detailed. It's abstract as fuck. Right. But what 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 that I I would like from 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 not only my experience but also from like college level classes. No matter what, they always say that somehow Van Gogh captured and embodied something in that moment of what he was painting that forever immortalized his piece of art. Right. But don't I I feel like with when it comes to the celestial bodies like the sun and everything, because there are entire cultures that worship the sun before they got white. The Aztecs mm-hmm. worship the sun. Which makes more sense than worshiping literally anything else. I mean, quite literally, because yeah. you 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 can literally like I I could only imagine being a what they would consider primitive human and placing a plant in sunlight and it was mm-hmm. wilted and coming back and it's just like bloomed. Yeah, I'd be standing right. there like, oh no, dog, this is this is definitely magic. Something right. something else is going on here. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's trying to switch it. We're gonna segue into different topics. Everybody, we're gonna try and wrote back into astrology before we move on to everything else. And that is a lot of the times in astrology, people think of the signs themselves. They think of cancer, Aquarius, Sagittarius. And they think that, Oh, this is blank, 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 blank. Yeah. It's too, it's too, it's too basic. These only fit personality descriptions. But one thing that Abby and I have in common is that we are both, I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm probably going to butcher it in my saying, but I'm going to let you, correct me if i like fuck up here but we're actually both like 12 house cancers and i'll let abby explain to you exactly what that means okay so um so you're yeah astrology means and and online the whole the whole culture of astrology when you don't really know astrology is sun sign so if you are a gemini you know you're a gemini sun um, and so at the exact time you were born in the exact place, if you take a picture of the sky, you take a picture of the degree that every um, planet is in, all the luminaries, like the sun, the moon, um, mm-hmm. axis of like where what's rising in the opposite side of, um, of your sun and stuff. Um, if, if you take a picture of the sky and the sky is like a big cosmic time clock. Um, so if you take a picture of it, 
at the exact moment you were born, certain planets are in certain places. And so all of those planets um, affect who you are, how maybe how you behave. Um, and and mm-hmm. a lot of astrologists believe that um, it can determine certain parts of your fate. Um, not that it's just all laid out and all planned. You have free will and everything, but a lot of people do deter like it can take from your chart that certain things may happen to you. Um, mm. And so, so yeah, so we are both 12 house sons, um, cancer, um, 12 house sons and Mercury. Crabs. So, yeah. So we both have sun and Mercury in cancer and it's also in the 12th house. Um, and yeah, it's a hard life. Um, no, but 12th house is, is all about shadow work basically. So like anything dark, anything mental health related, anyone I know that has a lot of placements in the 12th house has had a rough life, um, a rough childhood in particular. Um, and is very into understanding themselves and, and wanting to to go deeper and break free of like generational um burdens or like society i'll say curses generational curses yeah um societal standards um themselves they want to learn themselves better break free from conditioning that they have within themselves um the 12th house is ruled by pisces um and so that i I like to think of it as like that doesn't mean that like we're a cancer infused with like a pisces like but i think that we you know i'm a cancer but i have some Pisces tendencies. I don't have mm-hmm. the essence of a Pisces, but I have some like Pisces tendencies. So the fact that like 12th house is all about understanding and like intuition and and shadow work and everything. I mean, that's very much um like Pisces energy is is, you know, um more intuitive spiritual things. Yeah. And um and yeah, being a 12th house son in particular is, um, it basically means that, you know, your whole life is kind of like revolved around this shadow work and, and, and working to understand, um, everything. Um, but yeah, uh, you're, if, if someone that doesn't know a lot about, um, your birth chart, like if you just know your son's on, um, you can go to different websites and calculate your birth chart. You have to have the exact time. Um, but your sun sign is like the heart of, of who you are. Your moon sign is um, like more of how you um, behave, like what you really want. Um, like at your core, like what you really want out of life and such. And your rising is how you appear to other people and how you want to be presented, how you carry yourself. And, um, yeah, uh, your whole birth chart really matters. Like I'll hear people on Facebook, like bashing a certain sign and I'm like, dude, I bet you that's your moon. Like. 
Um, <laughs> it's it's funny, you know. People people say, uh, you know, like anything you don't like in someone is just something that you um, recognize in yourself. Yeah, and I think that's that's there's an exception, and that's like abuse, like abusive people. Like if you don't yeah. like someone that's abusive, it's because they're abusive, not because you see something in them that's in you. But um, mm. but. But yeah, it's funny because with astrology, it's that same way. Like I do see a lot of people that hate certain signs and it ends up being like their moon or their Venus or something. So it's like, that's kind of like proof that like yeah. that saying is true. <laughs> um, but but yeah, I, um, I'm a Taurus, um, moon, Venus, and Saturn and um, in the 10th house which basically means I have a lot of pressure on me um, career-wise, I mean, at least right now. Um, and it just, I mean, in the long term, the 10th house rules like um, work and uh, like your your lifelong work, basically. And um, and so, yeah, I have, I have a lot of um, pressure to do, to like succeed in uh, the work area which makes a lot of sense, and, and being, um, having a Taurus stellium, which, which just means that I have three, um, planets in the same sign, three or more, um, it, it does make me more inclined to, like, Earth, like, out of all the elements, I yeah. love Earth, like, so much, um, I, I just love, like, putting my feet, like, all the way down in the mud, like, in, in the Earth, um, and yeah, um, I, I'm a very, um, earthy person down to earth type of, you have a cancer stellium. So you have, you have a 12 house cancer stellium. I just have a cancer sun and, um, Mercury. Yours is sun, moon and Mercury, right? Yeah. yeah. I think when I saw, like, when when you showed me that, I basically was kind of, like, sitting there just being like, wow, bro, I'm, like, a super cancer. Yeah, for real. And and it really makes sense that you're 12 house, that, like, you have a 12 house stellium because, like, doing this podcast and, like, long term, you know, this will be, like, your your job. Like, I mean, I have no doubt that it will, like, you know, go go there. Um, and, and it just makes sense because... Um, I mean, understanding yourself, having deep conversations with people and, uh, about things that, you know, people like don't usually just sit down and, and talk about, I mean, like the majority, you know, uh, it, that, that really makes sense too, that, that it's a 12th house stellium yeah. that, and that it's also like, um, part of your work, like something you really work on. Yeah. I will say the other, it wasn't even the other day, it was like yesterday or the day before, I was hanging out with my cousin, and we were watching, we were watching a movie, and at some point during the movie, I basically, I hit this stage where what was going on was not like, not necessarily real, it, it was a zombie movie, it was the movie tw- 28 Days I Later. I hate zombie movies. <laughs> but... Okay, for for no one that's seen 28 Days Later, the way that this literally works, and I'm going to put it in my words, the, the this it, it was all caused basically by one family and their human need to always try and stay together and take care of each other. Because the husband, 
barely got away at the beginning of the movie and he left the wife to basically just die because she tried to save a kid. He got away. The wife turns out to have survived and she is a carrier for the for the zombie virus. Oh the husband and kids were in a completely safe area guarded by the military. Everywhere around them was like a dead zone. The way the virus worked was that the zombies would be incredibly angry and like seek out a food source until they basically kill themselves off without finding anything. So these kids sneak out of this military garden ins- installation, drive all the way back to their cottage. No, not their cottage. It is a cottage. It was Europe. They, they find their mom, bring their mom back, <laughs> under which she was instantly put under quarantine. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that she's under quarantine, they confirm that she's a carrier, that, that her blood and saliva will literally cause another outbreak. The major, no, the general at the time, which is played by Idris Elba, decides that, okay, I'm not even going to take the risk of researching this. We can research her corpse. We have to contain the outbreak. The husband somehow got a key card. Oh, my God. Went, went into the area, kissed his wife, and literally started another outbreak. Wow. Now, as this goes forward, I'm not going to, like, tell you the whole plot of the movie, but at the end... The husband ends up still being alive after all the government measures, bites their son, and the moment he bit their son, I thought to myself, the kid's a carrier, isn't he? The daughter does not tell them what's going on, and then they show the kids fly off into the sunset, you know, happy movie ending. And then you wait, and then they show that the outbreak moved to France, which is where they took the kids. Oh, oh my God. So the, the only thing I'm sitting here going is like, bro... What 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 is this? And the only thing my cousin said to me as I was critiquing the movie, he was like, "Bro, you like you letting your crabbiness come out." And I could I couldn't understand what he meant, but it was just like the depth of the situation that they were in, like the way that I was thinking about it. I was constantly like looking at it as, "Bro, why are they not realizing what they're doing and making the decision that it's too much yeah and okay so when when you said the crabbiness it made me think of like i don't think that's crabbiness i think that that's a 12th house thing so a cancer that's not a 12th house the cancer wasn't in the 12th house may not be that way so 12th house one thing that i found and i've posted this in an astrology group before and everyone related that was a 12th house son we cannot do shallow people like and shallow things shallow movies like wow that was like stupid to do that you know like it just yeah <laughs> when things are so shallow it's like ew like why would you have chosen that like and and like how can you really i don't know yeah yeah i think a, a 12th house thing is just that like you see things from such a deep perspective that when when something shallow comes along, it just like for me, it just kind of like grosses me out. It's like ew, like that's just like this. Quite, I, I will say, quite literally, the moment, the moment I realized that that family was the one, they were the ones basically causing the outbreak. Slowly, I was sitting there thinking, like, bro, why? What? What? How do you how do you not realize taking this this lady into this entire area is not going to like not benefit the entirety of humanity? How are you not right. thinking about that? Mm-mm. I mean, and the fact that the husband was the one that like 
kissed his wife and everything, like, I don't know, when you have a kid, like, I can understand it, I mean, obviously, like, I wouldn't kiss them, but, like, going back to, like, see your kid or something is one thing, but, like, a husband, like, come on, like, y'all could have waited, like, (laughs) but, but, yeah, I mean, a a kid is a little different, the entire movie it literally infuriated me because it was all it was literally all preventable but this isn't a 28 days later review everybody (laughs) so what i'm gonna do here is we're gonna segue into a different topic that does relate to just about everything we've been talking about yeah and we're gonna talk about recognizing and addressing the traumas because we already spoke on (laughs) generational curses and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so a couple of things that we, like I've prepared, also just talking to Abby, I prepare is that when it comes to trauma and addressing trauma, there is it, is actually a very wide topic, and there's a lot to talk about, and there's a lot that leads from trauma mm-hmm. because I've said it on the podcast before. A lot of people don't realize that the life they lived as a child most definitely defines the life <laughs> that they live as an adult. Oh yeah. If you if you were always told no as a child, you're gonna become an adult. Then now that you have the power to get what you want, you're not going to accept no for an answer. You're always going to try and like dig for it. You're always going to try and like basically take what you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But that's in a, that's in a generic sense. It doesn't apply to everybody, but the first type of trauma that we're going to talk about is societal. And when I think of societal trauma, I think back to like what we've been talking about and that's how people have kind of like been conditioned. They've been conditioned and brainwashed. Mm-hmm. I, I say brainwash. Brainwash is a harsh word. Some people hear the word yeah. brainwashed and they're like, I'm not, I, I'm exactly who I am. Uh, yeah, but right. people, yeah, people, people don't necessarily realize that it's a lot denial. of the, say that again. It's denial too. Like that, that's what I was about to say. People don't realize that a lot of the things that you might even go so as far to pride yourself in are creations they they came they came from somewhere Mm -hmm. like they're the if people i've I've met a lot of people that like to say like they have a diva personality and i think to myself that that's an entire constructed persona by human beings Mm -hmm. like that that doesn't explain anything other than that like you adhere to what's already set in place but yeah the with the with the world that we live in and obviously being born into the world as a child guys you don't have any choice in the influences around you until you recognize them as either bad or good influences and do what you have to do to either overcome or embrace those yeah and that doesn't happen until you're an adult yeah Yeah. or unless i i will say for me as a child due to the trauma that i did have to experience because like I didn't growing up my like I didn't have a dad. I had an absent father. So that was always one question no matter what that I had to ask myself about like everything that was going on. I had to think and like that that's a root of if you hear me talk about my music, if you hear hear me talk about really any of my creations, the first thing I'm going to say is I didn't think I didn't think it was good enough. I didn't think it made the cake. Mm-hmm. And that stems literally from the uh, like it, it's it's a form of abandonment trauma in my yeah. opinion that oh, it is yeah that i yeah that no no matter what i end up thinking i think that no matter what i do in the end that the end result will not be good enough for who i who whom i bring it to yeah and and it's weird i was talking to my friend about this um 
like literally just before we got on here um and and i was saying like it's, it's crazy if they're studying trauma and people and um and people could have such different um experiences in childhood but but a lot of the time it um it results in the same feelings and belief systems um inside of you like i mean i have chronic like shame um uh, that i'm mm -hmm. that i'm currently healing and feeling like i'm never good enough or like no one takes me seriously and um and 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 such so before so one thing that is such a huge issue like the the um the most like dangerous thing that the world is is facing one of the most in, at least in america is is traditional parenting um yeah and and so i can't really talk about anything else without talking about that first um so i'll just touch on it real quick but so traditional parenting goes back i don't know how far but i'm sure it started with um it's like call like colonizing uh, like Europeans um, coming over here, you know, all, that whole America, basically. Um, yeah. It, in any indigenous tribe, it is looked at, it's looked down at, and is looked at a sign of immaturity if you yell at a child, if you get angry with a child, because that's what it is. Um, so, basically, traditional parenting means, you know, you're cold with children, you hit children, you put them in a corner, you let them figure it out all, all on their own. Um, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I remember you shared a Facebook post that it was basically, it was talking about newborns, mm -hmm. and it was about how people think, for some reason, people traditionally think that, oh, that there's a newborn baby crying, it just wants attention. Yeah, yeah. And the whole point behind it was like, bro, this is a six-month-year-old child. Yes. He, he doesn't even understand the concepts of the world. He wants comfort. Mm -hmm. Even a four-year-old, logic does not develop in children's prefrontal cortex until at least five years old. Even a four-year-old, like toddlers, people expect toddlers to behave like adults, like them, because they're lazy. And because of traditional parenting is ingrained in them. Um, but... Even a four-year-old, they want love. They want connection. They're not looking for your attention. And if the, even if they are, give them your attention. They need it. Um, so traditional parenting, yeah. I mean, people let babies cry it out. I have worked through in therapy things that I don't even remember. I've had to work through being fed Benadryl as a little baby just so I'd go to sleep being left in my crib to cry it out, being left to feel like no one will help me. The only reason the cry it out method works is because the first night they cry and cry and cry and cry, and then they finally go to sleep. The second night they cry and cry and cry and cry, and then they finally go to sleep. The third night, it quote unquote works, and they go straight to sleep because their body has learned crying does nothing. Stop exerting all of this effort. You need to survive. Just go to sleep because no one's going to be here for you anyway. Wow! So it it basically like tr it triggers the it triggers the survival over love like mm -hmm. thing. Yeah, and that does not go away. Oh, they won't remember it. Yes, they were. Their their physiological makeup will remember. Like they're going to remember that. Their body is not going to forget that abandonment. It is so important to nurture babies, and just the fact that people don't like you're so out of touch. 
touch with who you are. You're just going to listen to a Google, like, article about your child. Like, and, and people will say, like, it hurts me so bad to hear him cry, but I know, like, it's worth it. Like, sleep training. Like, it hurts because it's supposed to. Like, you're not supposed to do that to your child. Um, but, so, moving forward in that, in that conversation, yeah, don't let your baby cry it out ever because it damages them forever. Um, but, so, punishment. Discipline, mm. discipline originally meant to teach. A disciple... Yeah is someone that follows a teacher, not someone that gets punished for not knowing. A disciple follows someone who teaches them. Discipline your children. Do not punish them. Punishment, okay, hitting. If you hit your child, spanking, whatever. Some people don't like when I say hitting, but that's exactly what it is. Spanking your child teaches them that the person who loves and who they're supposed to trust the most will physically hurt them and that they're supposed to be okay with that because that's just how it is. And then they wonder why they grow up and let people hit them and, and, and get into these abusive relationships. And this is not coming from someone who just thinks they know things from research and stuff. I have been no, in an abusive yeah. relationship and it is because I witnessed domestic violence as a child and because it was done to me. I was spanked. I was spanked with a belt. I did not turn out fine. And when people say that, that is absolute denial. If you want someone to go through pain that you have been through because you turned out fine, you did not turn out fine. Um, a lot of people don't really understand that train of thought that the whole point of going through like, I, I, I never understood that. It's like, they even tell you that pain is your body basically, like, not only warning you, but telling you mm -hmm. this isn't good. Yes. So then you associate, they, 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 they associate that pain with, like, the mistake of a child. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That hasn't even really, I don't, I think, I, I'll let you continue I before I, like, funny. go off on a tangent. I think it's funny. This girl, we were at the park. I have never hit my child in my life. I would never hit her. Um, the, this girl at the park, her kid, she spanks her kids. We kind of know each other from being at the park literally the day before yesterday. She said, uh, she minds you so well. And I just thought it was so fucking ironic because she spanks her kids and she's sitting here telling me that she minds me so well. But if I told her not to spank her kids, she would get defensive. Um, and so, Don't tell me how to raise my children. Yeah, exactly. So, like, it. I feel so much empathy for a lot of parents if they're not like, like purposefully being abusive. If they're just spanking because that's what their parents did and that's what everyone around them does. They're just threatening their children because that's what everyone around them does. They don't know any better. I have empathy for that. It's not okay, but I still have empathy because they don't know. And that's why I advocate so hard for positive discipline and everything, because it really is a crisis because um, people just aren't educated. And there are yeah. other ways. There are so many other ways to teach your child than to just punish them even putting them in a corner is telling them i'm not going to be here for you when times are hard i'm not going to be here for you 
when you're struggling. Like, go struggle on your own. Um, the real world, people, people's, like, defense is, uh, I'm going to prepare them for the real world. Okay. If you get fired from a job, they're not going to take your car away. They're not going to take your ID away. They're not going to take your last paycheck from you. They're just going to say, hey, you're fired. Oh, bye. Like, th that's all. They're, they're yep. going to give you a natural consequence. They're not going to punish you. The real world just gives you the consequence. So it, with that metaphor in mind, if my daughter drew all over the wall with a marker, I'm not going to put her in a corner. I'm not going to tell her, look at what you did. You shouldn't have done that. Should equals shame. I'm not going to shame her for being a kid. Kids draw on walls. I'm not going to shame her for her behavior. I'm going to take the marker away because I'm not going to, people aren't, the real world isn't going to punish her for getting fired. They're just going to fire her. So I'm just going to take the marker away. She can't have it. That's a consequence. And guess what? She's going to hate it. She's going to protest. She's going to throw a fit. And I'm going to be there for her as she feels those feelings. But she still can't have that marker because she drew on the wall. Yeah. Permissive be. And, and one thing that really gets me is when people will say, like, oh, you're in for a rude awakening if you're not going to discipline your child. I am disciplining her, for one. But also, like, permissive parenting, I don't like when I'm being compared to, like, oh, you just let her walk all over you. No. Permissive, like, walking all over me would be that, like, I give her the marker back, you know? Um, yeah. But, it, um permissive parenting is just as bad giving them everything they want saying, oh, okay here not being a sturdy leader for them and letting them have everything they want does just as much damage as punishing them does so anyway bringing that like back to trauma yeah um, full circle <laughs> yeah uh punishing children gives them a sense of shame and guilt for being who they are and being ashamed of who they are, being ashamed of their behavior, not being able to make mistakes without being ashamed. So that creates perfectionism. So all these things, shame, guilt, perfectionism, all these things are complex and they get ingrained into our identity and how we perceive ourselves and how we perceive the world around us. And we have so much fear and all of that, even if you never go through a traumatic event, even if all you ever go through is traditional parenting, you can still come out with complex PTSD. Um, and that's another thing that everyone is just so uneducated on. Pretty much every friend I have has complex PTSD, whether they know it or not. Um, I say that all the time when I hear, especially my uh, like male friends, because, yeah, guys, this is a serious problem when it comes to us, I've learned, is that the first thing that'll come out their mouth is, I don't need anybody. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't want anybody's help. As I as I, I could do it by myself. And I'm just sitting here like, bro, you're you're a whole human being. You are a social creature. You literally would go insane without somebody to talk to. Yeah. That's not the truth. And you know it's not the truth. It's a trauma response. From having no one before, yep. you had to get used to it. So now you own it, and you take your power back with it, yeah. Um, one example of complex PTSD um, that I'll link to veterans, just because people understand it better. Um, 
because a lot of people, the only reference they have, the only idea they have of PTSD is veterans, which I think is sad um, because so many other people have it. Um, so if you were like ever molested or sexually abused in childhood specifically, like, I mean, not to diagnose you, I'm not capable of doing that. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt, but like you have to have like complex PTSD unless you um, like had like really good support system and told them about it and um, they actually like embraced it and yes. believed you. Yeah. So one thing about trauma is that the actual traumatic event is like there. It's damaging. But how people respond if you tell anyone or if you feel safe enough and comfortable enough to tell anyone seals it so basically if you have support and everything it could seal it as this was horrible this has affected me but like i'm gonna get through it but if you didn't have that support if you didn't feel safe enough to tell anyone then it can be sealed as no one is safe nothing is safe this is awful like um and and so it's it's what the response to what happens is what makes it complex or not. Um, and so, so the, the example of, of PTSD would be, um, so if you were in an abusive relationship, um, okay. okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna use that. I'm gonna use a different one. So, um, okay. I, Okay, actually, I'm going to use that one. Okay, so if you were in a relationship, I'll use a very simple one. If you were in a relationship and that person, like, cheated on you and left you, okay? okay. So then you're, you start talking to someone again. You start dating a new person. And that person doesn't text you back all day. And you go through these severe feelings of, like abandonment like i mean you're like crying like sobbing like you don't want to text them because you don't want to feel like a burden but like this is is this really happening like you're like in a crisis like it's definitely not just like oh they'll text me back like it's okay you know like it, it's like a crisis to you like your heart's being yeah. like you're freaking out um almost like a hysteria so to speak yeah so even though you know that that person is not your ex, this person really cares about you. Maybe something happened, like maybe they fell asleep. Even though you know that this is not your ex, you still have this emotional flashback. And even if it's subconscious, even if it's just in your body, even if you never think about your ex, it's still a flashback in the same way that a veteran knows it's the 4th of July. He knows this is not his ex. He knows this is fireworks, but he still has this reaction. And um, that, that was a very like basic example. So I'm going to give one more short one. But so I'll, wait, I'll say that example is very real world mm -hmm. because due to my brother dying in the military, I've been to quite a lot of military bases and met a lot of different veterans. And I specifically remember when I was, I think I was about 14 years old. It was like the year after my brother died. They did the, uh, 
it was a cannon. They they fired off cannons as like a send off mm-hmm. to the ceremony they were doing. And the guy that was our like, he was the one showing us around base. I guess you could say he was our guide. I, I watched a 45 year old grown man hit the ground in like a fetal position mm-hmm. for about 25 seconds. It was just just covered into a ball. He just he just cowered down into a ball the moment that cannon went off. And we were standing there confused for a second. And he got up and he was all red faced. And he's just um, the only thing he could say to himself was that he was like, I'm sorry. He was like, I, I knew it was going to go off. I I just, just some took over me. Yeah, that's so sad. God, war is so sad in general. It, it, that, that was a very eye opening moment for me, especially about like just the ills of war in general. Mm-hmm. But not to detract. Yeah, it's OK. Um. So, so one time, um, this this is like a more um in in depth um in depth one. So it's it's like I mean, someone leaving you isn't as traumatic, you know. Um, but so I'll say I'll say when it comes to trauma, that's one of the few things I will note is that your trauma kind of how it affects you isn't. I don't think it's like. Granted, obviously there are levels of degree to like what can happen to a person and how it applies to them as a person and as an individual being. Yeah. But like having to experience, having to experience the exact type of trauma that you like want to go through, not want to, hell no, nobody (laughs) wants to go through trauma. The, The trauma that you went through is that a lot of the times you, when you find yourself reliving these situations is just like Abby said, you know, you know, this person isn't your ex. You know, this person has shown you kindness. They have been your friend. Yeah. But there is that thing in like your psychological makeup that you don't want it to happen again. You don't want yeah. to go through this again. You can't go through it again. And your body is going to usually react a lot faster than your like your inner self can. Yeah, and that actually, yes, uh, and that's internal family systems, man. Wow. Uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so that the the example I was gonna give kind of goes or like it goes right into that, like um exactly. Um, okay. So, so this guy I was um talking to, he's he's like my best friend. Um, he he surprised me one day and it was the only thing I ever asked him not to do was surprise me but as we um like kept talking I I guess he just thought like oh it's me like she doesn't like to be surprised but like it's me so I don't I don't like hold anything against him but um he so he showed up to to my house he called me when he was like 20 minutes away and I was like oh my god and um and so we didn't have anything to do really either so we just like went to the park and mm-hmm. I have been sexually assaulted by a friend in a car. So this is a more like traumatic example. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I was, I was in the car and we were just talking and all of a sudden I just started freaking out. And this is a side note, but I have had panic attacks all my life, but I didn't know it was a panic attack because Everyone describes a panic attack as, like, you're hyperventilating, your heart's beating fast, like, you're, like, panicking. But, like, I have never experienced it like that because I'm so good at soothing myself and making it Mm. seem like I'm totally okay on the outside because I've had an anxiety disorder since I was literally three years old. Um, 
So I've had some practice at like covering up my anxiety. Um, but anyway, so I basically, I had a panic attack, but I was like soothing him. I was like, it's okay. Like, I know you like, you just wanted to surprise me. I'm sorry. I'm not normal. Like, I just like, I'm just freaking out. I just need to get out of this car. I cannot be in this car right now. So yeah. the veteran, the firework. I knew he was safe. I knew he was not about to sexually assault me. I knew that he is a very safe person. I mean, I wasn't meeting him for the first time. Like, he is my friend. Like, I, I know him. I know him very well. He's not going to sexually assault me. But I still freaked the fuck out. Like, my body yeah. freaked out. When I got out, I was frozen. Like, in the same way that I have frozen before when, um, when sexually assaulted. Like, I just, like froze like I couldn't like it was just like I was so fight flight freeze and fawn it was like I was like a, I was it was really like fawn so basically like you do whatever you can to avoid conflict you'll do whatever they want just to avoid them hurting you further so yeah. with him it was just like we were sitting there, and, like, once I was out of the car and I wasn't panicking anymore, it was just kind of, like, I was sitting there, like, talking to him, doing whatever he wanted. I just wanted it to, like, be over at that point because I just had a freaking panic attack. Um, So, so yeah, I knew he was safe, but I couldn't help but have this extreme reaction and, and fawn and freeze in the same way that I have before in these dangerous situations because I'm walking around with a wound and yep. when someone touches that wound it hurts and I freak out and I protect it and I hold it and I try to keep it from getting hurt even more and one example I love to use with trauma is a gunshot wound when you have unresolved trauma you are walking around with a cap on a tooth that needs a root canal. You're walking around with a gunshot wound. When you have this gunshot wound, if it's on your arm, say it's on your arm, you brush up, if someone brushes up against you, you have this extreme reaction because it fucking hurts, right? Like you have all this reactivity, like people that aren't even meaning to hurt you, you're hurting them because it's hurting you. Even if they don't know that they're hurting you, like, so that can be like a metaphor for, you know, like if you're in a relationship or in like a family dynamic, you know, you have all these unhealed wounds and like you're hurting each other when you're arguing because it's a part of you may want to feel heard like deeply and like you don't feel like they take you seriously or you don't feel heard. And so you have to like push your point, even though you really don't. That's just like you're yeah. wounded. You end up, you end up having to basically like yell. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, um, and so, like, and, like, with, with healing, you can't just put a Band-Aid. You can't say, oh, fuck, there's a gunshot wound there. Finally, I recognize it. I accept it. It's there. Like, let's put a gauze on it. Let's put a Band-Aid on it. Let's get this over with. No, you have to put tweezers inside of that wound, which is yep. so painful, and you have to pull it out. And then you got to stitch it up and you got to do it all by yourself too. Um, I mean, unless you have a therapist, they can kind of help with their perspective. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, I mean, a gunshot wound is just a perfect example of trauma. You cannot just say, and, and also, I mean, you can have a gunshot wound and then you can like get married. You can have a wedding. You can have like the best life. You can have like 
kids, you can have the best job, you can have all this money, like, but you're still gonna have a gunshot wound until you deal with it. Like, I mean, you can cover it up with all this shit. You can, like, think that you have, like, the best life now and you've put it all in the past, but it's still there. It's getting infected and it's, like, getting worse, you know? I have a perfect example for that. And it's actually, it relates to, like, African-American culture, but do you know who Charlemagne the God is? Mm-mm, not off the top of my Okay. Okay. Charlemagne the God is, he's actually, he's a radio, radio personality. I guess that's the best way to say it. Also, just a personality in general. But he's a member of the Breakfast Club, which is a very popular, I'm pretty sure they're local. I'm pr- For some reason, I never confirmed that for myself, but. One thing Charlemagne said on a podcast I watched him on one time is that contrary to popular belief, he's he 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 had to state that he had lived his entire life with an anxiety disorder and he didn't even know about it until he was 40 years old. Mm-hmm. And it's because he had had children, he had had a successful career, and he had had a wife, and he stated that no matter what, for some reason, no matter where he was, he would have these moments where something didn't feel right. He didn't feel safe. So he finally went and got therapy for it. And he says that, you know, growing up in the hood, growing up in a harsh environment, I, I thought it was just like my survival instinct telling me something's wrong. But then I had to ask myself, why the fuck is my survival instinct kicking in in my daughter's soccer, soccer game? <laughs> right. Why do I feel like, yeah. like, why do I feel like I need to like run? These, these are normal people. Ooh. What's going on here? Yeah. Yes. Um, you, you just made me think of something. Um, so scary. So, so, you know, you brought up like for no reason, basically, you know, like the soccer game, there's no reason like, um, scary movies. Okay. I don't watch scary movies anymore. I haven't watched scary movie in two years. Um, and because my mom let me watch scary movies when I was little, like, and she still will say, like, you wanted to. Okay, so if I wanted to smoke a cigarette, would you have let me? Um, so <laughs> scary movies, kids should not watch scary movies. I, I mean, they, you should be 18, period, point blank. I don't care whose house you're at. I don't care what's going on. Like, no, absolutely not. Um, so. That's like the opposite of my upbringing. I'm not going to lie, because we was, like, I had the type of family. We, we watched a lot of VHS tapes. Mm-hmm. So it was always just me and my brother sitting back and watching movies. And I'm actually, you know, now that I think about it, that's that's probably where a lot comes from. Because I swear, I, I there's, there is for some reason, no matter what, I do think of like, I, I guess the best way to example, like the example for is like those scary movies where there's a monster. Mm-hmm. And for some reason... No matter what, they just decided to write it that way. Not only does everybody die, in the end, you basically just see that the monster is just like this absolute force that no matter how far you run, how far you try and hide, no matter what you do, it's there and it will find you. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was like five, I had like a psychosis episode basically um, because of the movie Scream. And as I grew up, I realized that I was like, when I was, like, way older, like a teenager, we watched Scream. And I was like, where's the part where where her boob comes out? And they were like, that's the parody. Like, that's that's the scary movie. And I was like, what? So when I was, like, mm-hmm. 
four or five, my mom would let me watch this scary movie. I guess she was like, oh, it's funny. Like, no, it's not. Um, so I would just have these moments where I would just see him. Like, I, I like I would just oh. see the scare, the scary mask. Like, and and also when I was four at Christmas, my they my family thought it was funny to let my cousin put that mask on and scare me. So that did not help at all. But like I remember, I would just be outside and all of a sudden I would see him. Like there's a there's a part of the movie where he's like standing under a tree and stuff, and like I would see a tree and I would see a flash of him and I would just have to run as fast as I could. And and like Jason and stuff like movies where there's jump scares right particularly when you're a child your brain is wired to be a certain way so there's these different planes of existence and so when you're a child who you're around your environment your parents everything wires you to be on the certain plane mine was fear I have always been terrified of literally every single thing um and so um with scary movies like the soccer game how there's no particular thing that set it off he's just at a soccer game right well when i got a little older i would just randomly get these urges to run as fast as i could like i would just randomly out of nowhere be like walking with my friends and just have to run home like i would just like start bolting and it's because when you watch a scary movie there's jump scares they come out of nowhere right so yep. your body does not know the difference. Your brain does not know. When you're little, and even now, the things you watch, your body does not know the difference in what's on TV and what's right in front of you. Your body doesn't know that there's a difference. So it gets wired to be afraid of things. Um, and, and yeah, I mean, just like having to all of a sudden flight or fight like it makes yep. sense because the things that you're consuming with your eyes into your body and the feelings the scary sounds and the music and everything I mean, your body is vibrating at that frequency you're tightening up your heart's beating fast like i mean that affects you um for sure the things that you consume like uh, on tv and on the internet definitely um can wire your brain to be a certain way so- and and, you know, I think our society and the media as a whole has, like, you know, made children's movies and children's shows, like, have evil villains and be scary and everything to create this generation that has all this PTSD and will just easily, like, follow whatever anyone tells them to do because they're so scared. Like, it's funny you say, or even, I, I didn't even know technically, the like, how that could affect a child. Because mm-hmm. I'll say... I've talked about it on my podcast plenty of times. And if you know me in real life, I will not hesitate to tell you this story because no matter how I tell it, it's the exact same story. And it's, I I regard it as my supernatural story. But when I was about, what age was I? I say about seven, between six and eight, one between that, that age range. I used to always come out of my room because I've always been a night owl. I've always been restless during the late hours of the night, no matter what. And I, I would come out of my room because I read up until, I, I read until like 2 o'clock at night. I just read books. And I came out of my room one night, and when I looked down the hallway, I noticed that my grandma had turned off all the lights. So I was like, okay, I'm definitely not walking to the kitchen because... There is a scary movie that to this day 
haunts literally like my mind. And that is the movie Darkness Falls. And it is because, like, if nobody's seen Darkness Falls, the basically the only thing I can tell you is wherever there's a shadow, wherever there's darkness, she is there. And she is after you. If you saw her, like, if you if you saw her when she was trying to be the tooth fairy and give you your coin for your tooth, she's after you. So... <laughs> Back to the story, like I walked out of I walked out of the room, noticed the like hallway was completely dark, and I went, okay, uh nah, I'm gonna I'm just get some tap water out the bathroom. So I turned around and proceeded to start going down the hallway. Standing, not even standing, almost shimmering like a projection, directly in front of the curtain next to the bathroom, because there was a window next to the bathroom, is this like emaciated old lady. That's just sitting there. She's she's like glowing white. No. She she's just standing there. And right then or that right then and there, I froze. I'm just standing there like, what what huh? And she just looks at me and regards me with like she looked at me for what felt like almost an eternity. And then both her hands came up and she opened her mouth. And to this day, nope. to this day, I will say that the sound that came out of that that lady, that thing's mouth was the sound that when, like when you're sitting in your house or you're sitting in a building or you're driving your car fast, that sound of wind whipping past your car or your house, that sound that it's almost like a, like, like an exhale, but incre- incredibly sharp and fast. That's the sound that came out of her mouth. And she, she started to move towards me, not, not actually moving, but almost like a projection. And during those moments, I ran. I ran down the hallway literally as fast as I could. I tripped over the lamp that was at the front of the hallway, and I ran across our trailer all the way to my mom's room, and I slammed the door, locked it, and jumped in my mom's bed. And she did what a mom's going to do when she thinks the kid has a bad dream. She's going to hug me, comfort me. But, again, I woke up that morning before my mom did. I woke up that morning before anybody else in the house did, and I went back to that hallway. To, I almost confirmed to my young self what had happened. That the lamp was still knocked over, so that told me this was not a dream. Mm-hmm. That when I came out of that room that night, for some reason in my brain, because there's there's a lot of stuff that goes in the sleep studies that say when you wake up from like deeper REM sleep, that your brain's still processing things differently, and that leads me to what I was talking about when you talked about the different realms of existence. Because I've said this to people like college etiquette college educated professors and they they've seriously looked at me in the most serious face and just gone so you've seen the other side and that 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 freaks me out it, it literally freaks me out to this day i will say that to this day i live with this almost it's it's, it's definitely like some type of ptsd that no matter what that there there is the possibility that something is there and the only way yeah. i could tell myself the only way I could tell myself as a kid that things were okay was that if whatever I saw existed, then all the all the fictional heroes I saw existed, all the good guys I saw existed, and the good guys would be there to protect me if something like that happened. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time I've ever, in my life, that is the only real supernatural occurrence that I will say that I experienced. But now that we're talking about it, I will say, like, bro, we watched... We watched a like, we watched a lot of scary movies. Yeah. Like I will say, there, there's no, there, there's literally no 
like horror film from like the early nineties you could name that I did not watch growing Same. up. Same. Um, that that's funny because I'm a twelfth houser, a twelfth house son, and and without the same experience, I have the same feeling. So even to this day, I worked on something like this with my therapist not long ago. Um, but still to this day, I mean, if I'm meditating in my room, it's like I can tell myself. Oh, the dogs would bark if someone was at the door and going to come murder me. And like, oh, like this would, I mean, I would know because I'd hear the door. Like, but I can't get away from what's around my body. Like, I watched Paranormal Activity growing up, Insidious, like all these movies. So if I lay, if I sit or lay in my room on the floor at night and there's darkness all around me and I close my eyes and I try to meditate, I'm going to see all that shit that was in those movies because it stuck with me. Like, um, and so, so one thing. Well, well, for one, I think it's I think it's interesting that we both have that same sort of um, feeling, and we're both twelfth house um, sons. I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe some people, when they're little, if they watch scary movies, they can grow up and like it won't stick with them so much. I don't know about that though. But it's it's interesting that like we both have a twelfth house son, and it did stick with us. Um, it, particularly because like twelfth house is about spirituality and like paranormal things and darkness yeah. unknown just the unknown the hidden the mysterious I, I will say that for the longest like for some like for the longest until i became like till i got older and entered adulthood i did think to myself that i was almost afraid of the dark per se mm-hmm. but when i think back like I, dude, I grew up on a farm so i remember certain nights like a lot of our family also lived on that farm. So at nighttime, let's say my grandma cooked. She'd tell me, okay, go run this plate over to your great grandma's house. And I go take the plate over there. And my brothers thought it would be, they thought it was funny. They'd stand out on the porch a good couple hundred, couple hundred feet away. And as I'm coming back towards the house, they would just stand there and yell like, because they, they'd either yell... They'd either yell Sasquatch or they make like these eerie screaming noises. And for no reason at all, even though I know they were the ones that would that were doing it, something would flick off in my body and I go into flight or fight mode and I would just I just run. I just run no matter how hard how like no matter how hard I had to run, I would literally just run all the way back to the house no matter what. Yeah. Same, like that urge. That that I don't know, that's kind of funny though, cause once again, grew up on a farm. I do remember the forest. Like, there's a little, like, tree clearing and everything behind, like, our farm once you go past the fields. And we'd explore back there a lot as the kids. And we ended up naming that forest, like, the Black Witch Forest. <laughs> terrifying. <laughs> Is, I, I, just thinking about it now, I do think about some of the stuff that, like, just in that general topic area that i experienced as a kid that i think to myself now like damn dude what was what were we doing right yeah um yeah kids are kids are gonna be you know extra curious no matter what they're exposed to so if you expose them to scary stuff i mean they're gonna create a reality revolved around it you know yep so uh we're gonna try and segue over to a little bit because we're actually almost hitting the two hour mark so we're going to get to uh, our ending topics, and that is 
as we've talked about, we've talked about like the cycles of trauma and everything that goes on, everybody. So now we're gonna like come down on like the benefits of actually like seeking therapeutic or just therapeutic yeah. help in general when it comes to like combating these things. Yes. Okay. And so if you've gone through any traumatic experiences, particularly multiple, particularly as a child, especially, mm -hmm. um, therapy is beneficial. Talk therapy, yeah, it can help to talk um, to people, but I think. I would say the biggest thing I've noticed about therapy uh, is that. Millie, when I, hold on. I think I can. Hey, baby, let's go into our room. <laughs> but, okay, guys, what I was going to say is that when it comes to therapy, one thing I've noticed is that the people I do talk to that are plagued by, like, depression, et cetera, et cetera, the thing that they end up saying to me is that I don't want anybody in my head. Yeah. So... And... I was gonna. What I was gonna say is that, like, that kind of translates to me is that it's not only that, like, you made the statement you don't want anybody in your head. Is that I think that you don't feel completely safe with what is in your head, to be specific. Yeah. So, what um, what I would say um to to the whole I don't want somebody in my head would be. So, um, talk therapy is beneficial, but a lot of people don't know that there's models of therapy. So there's different yeah. types of therapy that can actually help your brain physically heal. Um, so internal family systems is what I think of when I hear somebody say, I don't want somebody in my head. Do you really not want somebody in your head? Or is there a part of you who is afraid to heal? Because in order to heal, you have to face pain. And so, me personally, I have protective parts of me that love me and want to protect me and want to protect um, these parts of me that are hurt. And so, in order to, I, I know a lot of people that get defensive and say, like, no, I don't want to go to therapy. Um, I don't want to have to tell somebody all that. Like, you don't, when it comes down to it, you don't want to have to face the pain yourself. Whether someone's there or not, people keep themselves in denial subconsciously to protect yeah. themselves. People don't want to face all that pain. Like, who wants to face all that pain? And especially how it still affects them to this day. Like, um, and so internal family systems is basically a way to organize your thoughts and beliefs and feelings. And everyone does have parts of them. So, like, have, have you ever been in an argument with someone and in the middle of the argument you realize like I don't even want to be arguing anymore this isn't who I am I want to be calm like yeah. what am I doing but you continue to argue because you're defensive and you have to prove your point and like even though inside I don't want to it's like I, I know I want to like I'm defensive like no I'm gonna prove you wrong um, yep. that's an example of how we have different parts of ourselves. After you argue, if you're ashamed and you're like, oh, why did I do that? That proves right there that there's a part of you who was really defensive. And then there's a part of you who now is ashamed and like doesn't want to be that way. And so when you can put the perspective of, okay, 
I just got mad. That was a part of me that got mad. A part of me felt really defensive and like I had to be heard because I didn't feel heard when I was young. And instead of, oh, I'm an awful person. Look what I did. Why did I do that? Instead of putting all the blame on all of you, being able to separate it and say, okay, that was a part of me trying to protect me from feeling unheard as I have in the past. It really just puts things into perspective and small shifts like that can drastically change your life. And so going back to the whole, like, I don't want someone in my head, you know, maybe you just don't want someone to help you through pain that you've been through because it's painful. Yeah. I'll say that that was one of kind of like the turning points when I actually did finally talk to a therapist. Because as I was talking to him, I I basically I said something to him and the way he, he responded in a way that's still kind of unique for what the situation was. He said that he was he basically said to me, why are you? He's like, you said that I said that better than you. He's like, why are you saying that? He was like, I can't put into words what you just put into words. He's like, what you just said is, he's like, it's an, he's like, what you just said not only takes an incredible, like, death of be able to be able to even, like, come out and say that. He's like, for some reason, when I went to talk about it, you just instantly assumed that I was trying to, like, come over you and restate what you said. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you, you assumed a role of defensiveness. You said that, oh, yeah. Because that, 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 I do that a lot. I, I'll typically, like, when I'm talking to somebody, I'll say, oh, yeah, you, you said it better than me. I, I couldn't, you couldn't have said it better. But that's not, that's not necessarily what the situation, not even what the situation was. That's not what it was at all. Yeah, and that also makes me think of earlier how you said um, you feel like, you know, nothing that you ever do is, like, enough. Um yeah. And in that, that makes me think of that too, you know, like feeling like, like putting, giving someone else all the credit and not giving yourself any. Um, And I wanted to say like about therapy, um, some things that I thought about therapy before I ever went, I thought it would be kind of like a cold, sterile kind of environment, like a principal office type of setup. And it would be someone who had their shit together and was here to tell me how to get mine together and like tell me Mm -hmm. what to do with my life it's the complete opposite like therapists are people who have been through shit and like want to help people get through it how they have and you know obviously can't speak on every therapist but every like good specifically trauma therapist has been through traumatic things themselves and i just never thought i could like relate to a therapist that that i've had like my old therapist he like loved x-men and like all kinds of art and stuff and then my current therapist um she watches joe rogan too and like sam harris and stuff so i mean there's just like you can like relate to therapists you know like they're not just these cold sterile people who like are tell you what to do and often they don't even give you advice they just help you help yourself like They they shape the best their way, perspective yeah that's what i was gonna say the best way i could put when it comes to like the like when i've actually like taken therapy sessions is literally they're not there to tell you something that you necessarily don't know they're there 
to basically like talk to you and through talking to them you realize things mm-hmm. that you don't even know and that that's kind of why like in podcast in general like i love having these like type of conversations over podcast yeah because people don't people don't often recognize that a lot of the times all you're really looking for i'm not going to say acceptance you're looking for connection un- yeah connection un- you're looking for somebody that not only like understands what you are going through but that understands it and also still recognizes that you are also going through a unique experience. Exactly. And like specifically with therapy, like it's advertised as like help, like you need help. Like, and I think that turns a lot of people off because it's like, I don't need help. I got this on my own. Yeah. That's that trauma response. Exactly. But like therapy is, is for people who want to understand themselves better who want to understand why they are the way they are therapy is for people who want to help themselves therapy isn't for people who like need someone else to help them i mean it may be in some instances but therapy is for people who want to help themselves yeah. um and and yeah i mean just having someone who understands what trauma does to the brain and being able to share their perspectives on you with you is just a very unique relationship. And it's not something that you do like, I mean, there's different models that you can do, but therapy is not something that you like. It's a relationship. It's a therapeutic relationship with another human being. I would say that from the only thing I've come to learn about like therapists, because my family, my great aunt is actually a psychologist, but she's the she's from the realm of psychology back when they thought lobotomizing like gay people was right. Oh God. So like sometimes when I talk to her, I do get this sense of, okay, I see where the I see I see the therapist part of it. But this is also the lady that when I brought her like in a completely original writing of mine and like age 13 she gave it back to me and told me that she didn't think i could write it Uh. she didn't she didn't think i wrote it so to this day that like i've had to talk about that too like my therapist at times that to this day it kind of enforces this it's all it's what's the word i'm looking for it's i think the word she like he used was fox it's like it's like it's fox independence it's that you you tell yourself that you have the answers, you don't need anybody, and it's mainly because that when you went to people for the answers, they either told you to figure it out yourself or they didn't believe where you were at at the moment. Mm-hmm. And what this kind of leads to is that, uh, w- like one thing I've learned about like psychology, my psychology professor said it in college. Shout out to Mr. Piercy. It's one of the greatest, greatest men I've ever met, in my opinion. But... He pointed out the point that the people that go into psychology, that actually go into the field to become psychologists or therapists, they don't go into it under the guise of like a doctor. A doctor will say, oh, I became a doctor to help people. Most people went into the psychology field to, like you said, understand themselves Mm -hmm. and help people understand themselves so they don't have to go through what they went through. But he did. He did also note that. Through 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 his, through his experience in general, because he he had over twenty years of like therapist like therapist experience, mm-hmm. was that there are people in those fields that even though they are your like even though they are therapists, 
like they went into the field not only to understand what was happening to them, but also they didn't at some point they either didn't learn or they saw it as a means to it in as to learn how to like control what was happening to them so they they can control it when it happens throughout other times in their life. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. And like the control aspect is like when you have a childhood that's so unpredictable, um, you grow up and you try to control and micromanage every aspect of your life because it was so uncontrollable. Um, when when you were young, I definitely <laughs> experienced that. Yeah, I can agree with you there and say like that's where a lot of the sh- like I've said it to a lot of my friends before that the stress, the stress, and usually like when I get depressed, it's not specifically because of an internal issue because you know like I feel just down about my self-image or myself in general it comes from I start thinking of all these problems that are going on around me and the things that are plaguing me that I consider problems Mm -hmm. and no matter what situation I think of no matter how I think of it I still find myself I'm like wow so even if I do this or do this or do this or do this I still end up here yeah and that's that that's that's what gets to me because I'm just like it almost feels like, and like you just said, you wrote back to when you wrote back to that childhood, you wrote mm-hmm. back to that feeling of helplessness, and you don't like that feeling. Yes. So you you're just gonna do whatever it takes to make sure you don't feel like that again. Mm-hmm. Before I started EMDR, EMDR has lowered my reactivity level so much. I used to have those moments where I would circle back to hopelessness and despair like once a month like often Wait, like do do okay do you want to because I, I myself don't even know the full I'm guessing that's an acronym do you want to explain yeah, what yeah, uh, yeah. EDMR is yeah so eye movement desensitization reprocessing EMDR um it's a it's a type of therapy um so I'll explain EMDR it's it's very magical um so Basically, if when you were young, your um, brain, okay, let's say safety for an example. If okay. you witnessed something that was not safe, um, if, you, you know, scary movies, I mean, any, anything that was not safe when you're very young, then let's say your, your brain has file folders, right? So safety mm-hmm. was stored in a negative unsafe file folder so you experience something traumatic makes you feel unsafe so safety gets stored or sometimes restored into this file folder of nothing is safe no one is safe like always be on alert nothing is safe nothing is safe emdr hypervigilance yes and like that doesn't just come out of that file folder like that like you get into a relationship where you feel safe with someone like that does not take safety out of that unsafe file folder. I mean, you have to actually do that on a microscopic like level. Um, so PTSD is an injury. It's not just an, mm-hmm. a disorder. It's an injury, like just like a wound. Like it's, it's an actual injury that needs healing. So safety is stored in this unsafe file folder. What EMDR does is so... EMDR uses bilateral stimulation, which stimulates both sides of your brain at once. And um, basically, so through either 
like moving your eyes back and forth your therapist will hold their fingers up and move them back and forth and you have to like look at them or tapping so there's these little tappers and um it's it's these things that you hold in your hand and they vibrate left right left right left right left right left right while you hold them and uh, that's that's what i'm doing currently is the tappers um and so you hold them and it stimulates both sides of your brain and it sends you to REM sleep while you're awake though it sends your brain to REM sleep and it is really trippy i've done emdr i I don't even know how many times at this point a lot and and it is the most profound thing that i have ever experienced in my life um so safety stored in a negative file folder when you do emdr you can go into this room sleep state and i'm a very creative person you're a cancer you're probably extremely creative as well um but i like to think that i am <laughs> huh i say i like to think that i yeah am. yeah definitely um so and and particularly i'm a very visually creative person too so um yeah. when i go like okay so this room sleep state when i'm there it's like i'm dreaming but like i'm obviously awake you know in the therapist's office but like it's like you know like when you dream the way that the dream feels the way that it looks the way that it is like that feeling of being in a dream that's what it feels like like it's like your brain is literally in like the astral realm like so millie was just i don't know what she just said but anyway um yeah so so your brain is sent to that place right and so you can go straight into memories or feelings and beliefs that you have of yourself if you want to use internal family systems um but you can go straight into memories of traumatic things that you've been through times that you felt unsafe and take safety out of that unsafe file folder reprocess it which is the R in EMDR, reprocess, reprocess that memory, like desensitize yourself to it, and then reprocess it. And after it's processed, you can like line the papers up, highlight stuff, make it all organized, and re-put it into a different safe file folder. So you can okay. say, you can say, you can go into that memory and say, okay this happened i was so unsafe like this this definitely happened this is awful i remember this this happened these beliefs about myself like occurred and like i gained all of this like these feelings and beliefs and i've been carrying them this whole time and they've been affecting me and they've been coming up even in places that are actually safe they've been coming up and affecting me and making me feel unsafe and i'm here for myself now i'm an adult I'm not a helpless child anymore and I'm going to take this and I'm going to order it and I'm going to highlight some stuff and I'm going to like tap these papers down and like get them all organized and I'm going to file this in this different file folder. So it still happened, but I'm just going to reorganize it and refile it. And oh my God, it changed your entire life. Like, I mean, it has, I've only been doing EMDR since like October and so not even six full months yet and it has drastically changed my entire life um i mean my reactivity level has gone down i don't go into those modes of despair often at all like i i think it's only been once since october 
um, it, it has just changed my life. And, and I, I, we do EMDR with um, internal family systems as well. So um, I'll, I'll give one example. But last week, so Friday, um, I did EMDR with my therapist. And um, for like two weeks before then, we had planned to do the EMDR. And both times that I went, basically there was like a protective part of me that like didn't want to face that pain um because we planned it and I knew what it was going to be about and centered around and I like just did not want to face that like part of me was like hyper protecting myself and so um whenever like it came time okay baby so whenever it came time to to finally do it um, I would just, like, come up with something, like, um, and this is, like, a subconscious thing, but I would just, like, we talked about other stuff in therapy, and, like, other stuff came up. I was basically postponing it, like, procrastinating yeah. it. And so the day before, last Friday, I realized that that's what was happening, and I was like, fuck, like, I've been, like, protecting myself from facing it, like, what am I going to do? So when I woke up that morning to go to therapy, like, it felt like all these different parts of me were scrambling to like, ah, she can't do this. She can't face this pain. What do we do? Like, ah, like, are we really going <laughs> to yeah. go do this? And so I went and like, I told her that I just like, uh, it was just like hard, like, but, but anyway, so I recognized that and I was like, you know what? I'm here. Like, so I, um, I went into M- the MDR realm. And, uh, okay, baby, I'll turn it on. And so I went into this, um, EM, I started doing EMDR, and the first mm-hmm. thing I did was I, um, I talked to these protective parts of me, and it sounds like crazy if you don't do IFS and if you're not educated in it to, like, talk to these parts of you, but, like, um, we all do have parts of us, and it's really just a way of organizing your thoughts and beliefs and feelings towards yourself, and um and you know being able to separate who you are with like all these different feelings and stuff because certain parts of us do get trapped in these in these belief systems um and this shame and stuff and and so yeah. like the part of me who experienced something when I'm 11 is different from a part of me who experienced something when I'm 5 like it's it's different and you feel different ways and stuff so anyway yeah. When I started EMDR, I was like, I, I basically, I talked to these protective parts, and I was like, hey, you know what, like, I'm here, okay, like, it's okay to feel anxious, it's okay to feel scared, like, but this is healing, and this is something I can handle, I can do this, I'm an adult now, I'm here for all of these parts of me, and so, um, they, like, let me pass through, and basically, I focused on um, a time that I was sexually assaulted, and, um, I just realized, and I was young, and it was a family member, and I realized um, that I have always been carrying this um, disgust towards myself, and this belief of, like, this is, this was all my fault, Um, and this, like, guilt, Um, even though it wasn't all my fault, like, children jump to conclusions, you know, and so, um, I realized that, that I have always been, like, carrying 
these um these feelings of disgust and stuff and um it, during the EMDR that part of me um I like I walked over to the part of me and as soon as I did it was like a, a little girl who felt disgusting and everything me like the little me and so I walked over to her and I looked at her and as soon as I did she shot up into the air like physics don't matter in this realm and I shot yeah. up into the air and rainbows started like pouring from her chest and there was just like rainbows everywhere and it was just like she was like happy and she was like um I'm free and I am beautiful and I can dance and I can sing and I can play and I can do all of these things that I didn't feel comfortable or safe doing when I was little and so basically um yeah you can you can just heal these parts of you and these like inner child type of parts of you that carry certain belief systems and you can literally just unburden yourself so the whole belief of I'm gross I'm disgusting it's all my fault was refiled into no this was all their fault this has nothing to do with you you are not disgusting you never were um so it's like i refiled that in my brain and now in an everyday basis i don't believe that about myself anymore because part of me is like unburdened from that so yeah yeah emdr is insane it's really 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 like profound um I will say I haven't, I haven't gotten, I guess, to the, like, that part or specifically just that method of, I guess, therapy or therapeutic methods, mm -hmm. but this is, I do want to, like, make a comment on the dream thing, mm -hmm. is that for some reason, even since I've been little, I, I've, I'm of, like, a, a lot of the times, like, when I do recall my dreams, I'm a lucid dreamer, mm -hmm. like, I do, I, I very frequently have had control of the dreams that I'm in. And it's almost like no matter where I'm at, I can kind of like almost in a sense, grab the reality that I'm in. Yeah. It's almost like how you see it on cartoons where they just throw a reel and then they just move through the reel. Mm -hmm. It's almost like that. And when I experienced a nightmare, that, that that's exactly what night, not even when I is like, I haven't had a nightmare in actually quite a long... I've had bad dreams, but I haven't had nightmares. Same. Because what I, what I like... What I declassify as a nightmare is for some reason, when I'm in my dreams, it's... I become aware of the fact that it is a dream, just like you would in any lucid dream. You go, oh, this is a dream. This, this is the dream world. I can, I can control this. Mm -hmm. But when I go... When there's something I don't like and I go to swipe it, it doesn't disappear. Yeah. It's just there, and I'm just like, wait, oh, I can't leave. Oh, fuck. Right. And I'll say, like, I guess I, I have learned, like, this isn't through therapy, but this is just from, like, me becoming, like, more of a spiritual individual and, like, trying to unpack the things that have, like, happened in my life. And it's back to that control aspect of things. And is that even in my, even in dreams, like, you, What's the? I, I got to make sure I phrase this correctly. Even in dreams, you find yourself, or I'll say I find myself, because that makes it easier to say. I find myself in these like 
fabricated realities. And the thing that I always notice is a constant in those realities is that things might happen, things might progress, but I can always just switch the panel. And that's what makes the dreams nightmares is because I'll be standing there and something will happen, something will scare me. And then when I go for the natural fight, flight or fawn response, there's no there's no flight. I can't move. So then I'm stuck. I'm stuck in the fawn. I'm just stuck standing there in the dream like, oh, no, right. this this shouldn't be happening at all. But I have learned through therapy that like a lot of the things you have said is they, they kind of compound out. And I've, I've seen this when other people tell their therapy journeys. For example, I don't know if you know who Bill Burr is. Mm-hmm. But Bill Burr had a podcast with Mike Tyson and they were talking about it. And they started mentioning like the era that they grew up and they both like, they kind of said it. Bill said that he was like, you know, my household wasn't really it wasn't the type of household that you could just say whatever you wanted. And Mike Tyson even like like said it in another words. He was like, yeah, he's like, yeah, you were better seen than heard. And he was like, if you said something, no matter how much sense it made, you got popped in the mouth. And Bill elaborated on it. He said that, yeah. So growing as an adult. He's like, I have this feeling to where when I'm talking and I feel unheard, my voice, and he's like, I just naturally, he's like, I, he's, he's like, it's not even anger, it's, it's, a, it's a defense response. Mm-hmm. He's like, I start to talk louder. I start to try and talk over people because I feel like I am not being heard. Yeah. And that right there spoke volumes to me, not only about like the power of therapy, because that was the first time in my life, even though it was over a podcast, that I saw a grown man ever admit that the past that he had experienced was the reason he was the way he was. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, that traditional parenting is a lot of the reason why so many relationships, like we, we have this whole culture revolved around like toxic, like relationships. And it's because so many people feel unheard. And so you're, you're left arguing with people that you don't even want to truly be arguing with because there's all these different parts of you that have separated from who you truly are because of how people treated you when you were young. Um, it's it's unfortunate, traditional parenting. But I wanted to, to say something about dreams. Um, okay. Being a 12th house son, we both have, and Mercury, um, that are the same. Uh so my dreams well for one so like all my dreams um it it's changed since i've done emdr but before emdr every single dream i would ever have it would be a good ass dream like i would be having a really good dream but like i'm running from someone not running like physically running but like if i'm like at my friend's house having a good time it's like i know that like someone's out to get me though like it's like and, and, you know, it, it just comes from feeling unsafe in childhood and scary movies and just, which makes yep. me feel unsafe, you know, but just having this fear. Um, and it, um, it, so there, so there's that. And then also, like, another thing is, like, all my dreams have, like, obstacle courses. Like, I have a lot of dreams where I'll, like, I have this one where there's, like, um, an obstacle course on the ocean, but it's, like, huge. Like, you can't, like, even describe Mm. it, like, physically. And, like, it's, like, 
and there's like all these water slides and stuff and I have these like reoccurring ones where it's like the same thing doesn't happen in the dream but it's the same kind of place like that like McDonald's play place type of thing but like bigger yeah. and better and like I just have dreams where I'm going through like mazes and obstacle courses but there's no rush like I'm just playing there like I don't know it's weird but but and, and like I can think of them like even right now as I'm thinking about that like where the places that I dream I can have a dream when I was like six years old and I can see it right now in my head like dreams are just so vivid to me like I can remember places that I have dreamt and it's like it really happened like just very 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 vivid and um yeah yeah it's crazy how vivid how vivid they are off that point, I will say that there was this one time roping back to the Joe Rogan podcast because for some reason when you talk about podcasts, Joe Rogan gets brought up. Yeah. <laughs> he interviewed a guy that was like, he was a, I guess so to speak, a sleep expert. And I think how I they were talking. I, d- I don't remember the guy's name, but he was like a taller, lankier, kind of like dirty blonde guy. Mm-hmm. But... I remember in the episode, he was talking about everything that happens like during when he was like, when you dream is that there is still the fact that he was like that, like people like to think that there's that common myth that humans only use like 10% of their brain power. Mm -hmm. And even on an everyday basis, like that's impossible. You definitely use more than 10%. But he even stated that when you dream, not only is your brain still active, there are entire parts of your brain that are more active. Mm -hmm when you were dreaming so honest I'm, I'm gonna be honest in my belief because i've been i've had my friends tell me it's kind of far-fetched to think this way but i almost feel like when you're when you're in your dreams like not only are you kind of like you're you're not only looking at what i would consider different realities you're also in the most fundamental sense like i because I, okay i i say this all the time is that it is, I believe that it is a natural human trait to be creative. Mm-hmm. Just, just like I believe, like I, just like I said, I believe all people at one point, no matter, no matter the type of person, the personality type, everybody's looked up at the sky and gone like, yeah, what, what's the point? Why are we here? So just from building and everything, if you look at every, I, I'd say just about every child, as long as they've had like the most, hmm. Cause I can't really speak on the kids that were like born into war zones. That's just tragic as fuck to even begin with and shouldn't happen. But even in the most rudimentary sense, like humans try to build, we try to like create things that are not necessarily new to the world around us, but new to us. Yeah. Kids like, like you said, kids draw on walls. Yeah. And even kids in war zones, they're going to pick up the bullet shells and pretend that they're like people, you know, like they're going to find that. Yeah. I've actually seen documentaries about that. But that's what I'm trying to say is that even in the most rudimentary sense, like for at our core, human beings are kind of creators. We like to, piece together what's around us into our own not our own reality but a reality that we can understand so i had to understand it as i grew up that these like the dreams that i had especially when they were nightmares is that my nightmares usually ended a very specific way it was i cannot escape i cannot change the world around me 
And no matter what it was, whether it was a wave of like Chucky dolls, whether it was a wave of just black goop or the ocean itself, what woke me up from the dream was being consumed by the thing that I could not control. Mm-hmm. Same. So it's almost not even, it's not even almost like there, there are definitely connections, everybody, that they kind of play into not only who we are, but how we process the world. And a lot of these, as we've talked about throughout this entire podcast, stem from your childhood. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And I think that dreams are, for one, in the astral realm. I mean, you're not in this realm. Like, if if someone is in a deep sleep, you can slap the shit out of them. They're not going to wake up. You know, I mean, maybe not slap the shit out. Okay. But, like, that's that's one thing I will note. And like I've learned, I'm not I'm not even sure if it's because of like how I've had to like experience throughout childhood. But even though I do dream and have like deep dreams and I know that I know that I achieve REM sleep, for some reason I am an incredibly light sleeper. Me too. So I I always think about that because I I've I my little brother, he he's kind of like that. When he falls asleep and he's asleep, you could literally sit there. And grab him and shake him. I remember I had to do that one time because I was waking him up for school. And I, 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 I kid you not, this kid got up and actually looked around the room and was like, I, I got to leave. And I was like, dude, what are you talking about? He was like, Every, everything's on fire. I have to leave. Oh, God. And he actually just stood up before, like, I guess his senses or reality snapped back to him. And he was just like, oh, wait. What's happening? I was like, bro, I'm trying to. I'm, we we got the buses on the way. We got to leave. <laughs> and he was like, oh, let me get ready. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, I I um, I'm I'm a light sleeper too, but um, but you know, I I think we we definitely go somewhere when when mm-hmm. we're dreaming. I mean, we because we are like, I mean, whether whether you're a light sleeper or or a deep sleeper, when you're asleep you're not awake so like where are you you know um and i think that's one of those great questions honestly yeah <laughs> i i think though that that again we've just lost touch of of you know our um it, it's taboo to think certain things and it's like why wow, this it's not taboo like um but but i think you know we we go to a, a dream realm we go to this like astral realm and i think that um a lot of the time like so your subconscious tells you things through like dreams and i think you know just like the spongebob episode where like there's file folders and like everything's burning you know i think in that kind of way like you when you're dreaming you can kind of like walk around your brain like and and walk around inside of your subconscious and like see like it's like your your subconscious creates these fears and these um things that you may be in denial about when you're awake are there in full force when when you're dreaming um it almost makes me feel like that like while you're falling through the file cabinet you just hit that file that's just like blacklisted and all of a sudden somebody burst into the room (laughs) Yeah, yeah, 
And I was like, you're not supposed to be in here. <laughs> right, right. Um, but, but yeah, dreams, I mean, a lot of the time, like, I'll, if I've had dreams and I remember it, I'll kind of, like, if it's something I don't want to face, if it's something I'm, like, in denial about, I'll just brush it off and be like, that was, that was weird. But looking back, like, when I was in an abusive relationship, I had dreams, like, about him being, like, a bad person and stuff. Like, it was, like, my subconscious knew, and my subconscious was trying to tell me. And, and same with my art. When I was in an abusive relationship, I still have these pieces. I would paint pictures of girls with their mouth sewn shut or with a flower over their mouth or with no mouth or um, just with things covering their mouth. And, like, I didn't even know I was being abused. I didn't know I was in an abusive relationship. And my art knew before I did. Like, I mean, having their mouth sewn shut, like, feeling like yeah. you have no say-so, feeling like you you your voice doesn't matter and like um like you're being controlled you know like someone sewed your mouth shut um so it's really crazy that that we know before we do i'll definitely say that that's one of the things i uncovered with my therapist is that even like how i came up because if you've watched the show if anybody's watched the show you've seen the psych ward logo and it is the words of the psych ward breaking out of a cell and there's eyes in it. And even if you if you come if you've seen like the layout of like how I have my little like at home studio, there was this poster I made that was it's basically two two sets it's an it's not two sets, it's a set of eyes overlooking the world and it says the world is watching. And I made that along with the help of my friend who is also like the artist behind like bringing my idea to life, which is my friend Alexander Parker. But one thing, like, okay, like, I, I draw, and it usually, a lot of the sketches I end up drawing, I end up, like, tossing, because I don't like them, but one thing, no matter what, that I've always noticed is that, for some reason, I can draw the eyes and the mouth perfectly, like, like my, I would say, like, on a scale, when you compare the eyes and the mouth of my artist, like, my pieces, to the rest of it, they're like a solid seven while the rest of it's like a solid three. And I only say that because I remember being a kid and for some reason, no matter what, I would always sit there and sketch the eyes. I would always sit there and draw an eyeball or just draw like two eyes and a face, but everything else was surrounded by blackness. And my therapist helped me uncover the fact that he was like, did you... The question he asked me, which really wasn't a question, it was a part of our conversation, was that do you feel that there were a lot of things that you saw as a kid that you did not, you either did not get to comment on or that you recognized and internalized and always reflected it? And that, that that's honestly the truth, mm -hmm. is that, like, for some reason, just, just as the art itself describes... I, I I like I I I I'm very hyper vigilant, and that is a trait Same. of my trauma. It's a trait of a lot of trauma. Is that if you've met if you met a veteran, I've met a lot of veterans, and a lot of them have the same like statements. Is that they come back, they come back from war, they come back from their traumatic experiences, and that all the people around them they don't see it. 
they don't yeah. see they don't they don't see what's going on. They don't understand. Everybody's so relaxed. How can they not yes. notice what this is? And that's the real. That's kind of that's almost like one of the cores of this entire conversation. Everybody is that whether you realize it or not, you express the things that you truly feel psychologically in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some that you may not even know yourself. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 I think, you know, something positive about trauma and everything, I mean, something that I believe at least is, is I think time is not, it is not linear. Um, Okay. It is, I mean, in the same way that I can close my eyes and think about something that happened in my past, I'm there. I mean, I, I'm I'm there. I'm you. traveling back in time and for through that memory. And I think, I mean, I think you know, there's no science to, to back this up, but I think that, like, when I was little, I think the essence of who I am now was with me then I think that um I I mean the reason that I'm not dead right now is is because like the reason I didn't kill like it never like succeeded in killing myself is because I knew even even as a like 10 year old little girl like part of me knew that it would it would get to the point that I am today. And that part of me is who yep. I am today. Like that there was no part of the 10 year old me who, who thought that, but it was me who I am now existed even then, because time is not linear in the same way that I can close my eyes and see myself as a 70 year old and ask me for advice. You know I mean? You can, Yep. You can travel backwards and forwards in time in, in your own memory. Um, and I think, uh, I like to think at least that, you know, I have always been with myself. The person that I am now and the person who I will become was with me even when I was alone, when I was young, was always with me. When I'm 70 years old, I will think back to these times where I struggle and have hard times, and I will remember that, you know, the parts of me who will become are in me right now, still with me, um, guiding me, just like the art, like, you, if you know before you know how, yep. like. I will say on that note, because we are hitting, we're, we're, we're kind of hitting the two hour and 30 minute, long, like, the two hour and 30 minute mark. And I'll say this, I think this is the longest podcast I've ever done. So first of all, thank you for that. Yeah. (laughs) But at least in the sense of talking to like who you are, I did always tell myself that at least growing up that I would not that I would necessarily be or become the thing that I needed at that time. But it's almost as if I had, I had a sort of, I guess the best way to put it is the way that I looked at the world, I knew that everything was not what it was. Like, if, guys, if you listen, if you listen to my music, if you listen to just anything I drop in general, I will constantly say that there is more to the world that we live in outside of the physical. Because the same way that you can sit here and in your brain 
talk to yourself in a voice that you can 100% hear, but is not audible. There, there's more to be, there's not only more, what's the best way to put it? There's not only more to be explained. There's, there are things that you don't know that even you are capable of. And I tell people this when it comes to taking that jump or taking that leap of faith when it comes to like, like putting their voice out there, putting their art out there, putting their music out there is that you have to understand that you have, and you've always had the capabilities to recognize and process what is going on around you. And is that in, in these ways, I, I think that a lot of the times we not only get caught up in the traditional and societal aspect of what the world wants us to be, we also get caught up in an entirely different like visage of how we think the world wants us to be, how we have to be in order to process in the world that we live in. Guys. Yeah. Yeah, we hold ourselves to certain expectations for sure. Yeah. yeah I think the internal dialogue example is awesome. Like the fact that we we can talk to ourselves in a way that's completely not audible but totally real to us. Yeah, just proves it's a great Dude, metaphor sw- for, for the fact that it's, things exist and we don't know of them. Dude. I swear that, like, as a kid, I used to think about that so much. And that that's ironic because I'm saying I thought about it because that's the voice. <laughs> right. But that's, that's what I mean is that I'm not – granted, don't get me wrong, guys. If you hear, like, a lot of different voices, you might want to, like, <laughs> Check look that into that. That, 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 that. That's give or take on that. Yeah. But everybody – actually, at the orientation for where I was working today, the guy actually even said it. He was like, everybody has that Jiminy Cricket in their head that tells them to do something, tells them not to do something, or warns them about things. And he was like, nine times out of ten, most people are going to listen to it. Yeah. So if you guys take away anything from this podcast, just take away that there are a lot of things that influence us because we've, I even brought up the fact that I, I've brought this fact up before that the the entire phrase a balanced breakfast a well balanced breakfast is propaganda that shit does not actually exist. <laughs> yeah, please take that away. That's what I'm so. It's like so. Please just think about <laughs> that in your life that a lot of the influence and everything you have. I'm not. I'm not here to say that. Oh, they're not real. Oh, they're not blank blank blank. Don't let anything that's like said make you spiral off into a whole journey of self-doubt and everything because you know you do know what you are trying to do and who you are Mm -hmm. trying to be and the world a lot of the times does not i'm not going to say interfere but the world will not only distract you from that it will also like cloud your vision of exactly like what you feel is right yeah just think for yourself so before we end the podcast, guys, I'm going to, Abby, is there anything else you want to say? Um, no, not really. This was, this was fun. Um, it's cool <laughs> that this was the longest one. We should do another one sometime. I'm, I'm definitely like looking at the timer right now and it's two, two hours and 38 minutes. And I will Dang. definitely say, I will quite literally say that is the longest podcast that <laughs> I have ever done. That's cool. Yeah. I could, <laughs> I could talk for forever, but it would. It was fun, and um, yeah, we uh, we covered a lot. Yeah, so 
as we, as I guess as I wrap this up, as you guys host, the only thing that I say I want to leave you with is that, like I said with astrology, the government literally, like the government confirmed the aliens were real. Like that, that, that is a Pentagon approved fact. Now, I know people don't trust the government, but you, we were already thinking aliens were real. And then, like, the, the body of authority that we consider literally confirmed it. So, when it comes to us talking about astrology and the spiritual and, the, like, the astral plane and everything, once again, guys, you have to remember that everything in this realm is not only physical, that you are more than just a physical being. You are comprised of a lot of different memories and experiences that all culminate into who you are now and who you were from the beginning. Yeah. And that's what I'm going to leave you guys with. This was another episode of the Psych War Podcast. And Abby, thank you for coming on. For sure.